Welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast and our very first live intelligence briefing featuring Steve Schultz and Robin Bullock, hosted live from Warrior, Alabama by the Flyover Conservatives, David and Stacey Whited. goodness. I'm sure many of you tonight probably remember the first time you watched an intelligence briefing. And some of you guys, some of you guys, it was, it was the, the oxygen mask that kept you going maybe during one of the toughest times of your life when you were so hungry, you're praying to God, like, I'm just looking for some intelligence. <laughs> you turn on the TV and there was none to be found. And if you showed signs of intelligence, you were deleted off a lot of spaces. So intelligence became so rare, but it made it more valuable. Anything that's rare is valuable. If diamonds washed up on the beach, they'd be as cheap as sand. And so intelligence became this thing we all began looking for, but we began to value not just intelligence, but words from the Lord, Solomon wisdom, God downloads. What is that you became like, I don't even know, need to know anything more about what man's going to do and man's next move and who's doing. I cannot take a step forward. If I do not hear a word from the Lord. And, and in that moment, this show came on the scene. This show came on the scene, the intelligence briefing. In fact, they did 40 episodes. And then today, if you're here in the audience and you would like to have a seat, we, we welcome you to have a seat yes. at this time. Everybody's all wound up. I know, everybody's fired up. And trust me, by the time tonight's over, we're going to blow the roof on this place with worship. And we hope you, you hope you came into this building with an expectant and hungry heart wanting, wanting to spend time tonight with the creator of the universe. That you came in here tonight wanting to spend time with, with the creator that when, when, when there was chaos, and that's all there was was chaos, hovering, just spoke words and things came into existence just says peace that like that that that's what we're going to be doing tonight in the midst of that we're going to get clues we're going to get insights we're going to get comfort and we're going to get some some intelligence but it's going to be because we're with a group of people that live and streaming all over the world across many platforms that are so hungry you reject anything that's not of God and you're so hungry like Moses he's like hey God if I'm not with you I don't even want to go I don't I don't want to go into another election, another campaign, another year. I don't, want to, I don't even want to take another step without God's presence. And that, that's why we're here tonight. That is exactly right. So over 40 episodes, I don't believe that this is going to be the only uh, live intelligence briefing. I think we're going to see a lot of this across uh, this country because people are hungry. People are really hungry for what does God have to say. We've already seen what man has done. We already have seen what man has to say. But what does God have to say during this time? If you don't know us, we are David and Stacy Whited. I'm, we- <laughs> I'm David. She's Stacy. I'm Stacy. Yes. And we started Flyover Conservatives in January of 2021 with our family. Our son Colton is here, and his family. We're so excited. But they are here today. Producer Colton, right there. Give a big yep. wave. Woo! And he 
He's got his little girl and his son and his wife here, and we're just really excited to be here as a family. Our, son, our daughter, Avery, she also is full-time with Flyover Conservatives. And what we just decided in 2021 is we just decided we're going to put everything to the side, and we're going to bring our time, our talent, and our treasure. And we're just like, God, use us in any way that you can use us to help to do whatever we can to get this information out. And it has been a journey since January of 2021. And God gave us a mandate at that time. It wasn't just a suggestion. It wasn't just a slogan. It was a mandate. He said, I want you to go out and I want you to spread the news that people have to wake up. It's critical that people wake up, but not just be awake, to also speak up and show up. You know? There's been a real pride in the conservative mo- movement of being part of, this, of the silent majority, almost a, you know, slapping yourself on the back of, yeah, I'm part of the silent majority. Well, when that happened, the plumb line of Jesus was taken out of all of these different spheres of influence. That's like saying we're not making much of a difference, but there's a bunch of us. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You yeah, can- I'm a part of that crew. <laughs> well, when you take the plumb line of Jesus out of government, what do you get? You get a mess, right? When you take the plumb line of Jesus out of media, what do you get? A mess. You get chaos. How about education? Wow. It's hectic. There are no vacuums. If you pull your fist out of a bucket of water, what happened? Is there a hole? No, it just fills in, right? And so when, 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 when we take godly principles out of these environments... The devil just doesn't sit back and say, oh, wow, now what are they going to do? He's just like, oh, excellent. I have a Doberman Pinscher, great dog. But they're leaders. They're alphas. If there's a leadership vacuum in your home, that Doberman will fill it. Hey, I'm in charge. (laughs) And so everyone in our family, not just me, had to learn. Like he had to learn where his place was. There's not a leadership vacuum in our home. You're not in charge. We're in charge. You know, that's basically it's that way with every environment. Every piece of ground you take, if you're building a garden, you you till it up and you make space. But that doesn't mean the weeds are never going to come. It's a daily battle to take ground, protect that ground, and to secure that space. And, And for some reason, over most of our lifetimes, during while we've been on watch, a lot of that space was vacuumed. And it was... And it was filled in. And then we kind of sat there all of a sudden like it happened in one day. And it didn't happen in a day. It happened over a period of time with a very concerted effort by the enemy. But the good thing is when we woke up, we woke up big time. There are, there are more people joining and praying. We do a meet and greet, an event almost every single month uh, with the Reawaken America Tour. And I got more people coming up telling me I'm reading my Bible myself at home for the first time in my life and I've gone to church for 30 years but I'd never opened the Bible at home by myself like for me that's a good that's a good sign there's there's things happening because it's happening at the lowest level more people are taking ownership of their day before they walk into it they're speaking life over it and they're going to God for the answers in their life not watching the news telling God what he needs to be doing in DC about everybody else's life It's become very personal. That's exactly right. And what we found, we were hoping the same thing, is a lot of us were setting back, hoping that one man would do 80 million things to help to save this country. And what we've learned over these last few years, what we really need is 80 million of us doing one thing every single day to save our own country. 
And we're seeing it happen more. Like David said, more and more people are waking up. More and more people are speaking up and more and more people are showing up. And there are a lot of people that are praying and it is impossible to pray and for something not to happen. The heavens are moving and it is so exciting to see what God is doing all across this country and all across this world. Truly, it is the best time to be alive. It is. We were born for such a time as this, not a thousand years ago, not a hundred years from now. We are alive right now during this time. And God is putting together a puzzle and each one of us have a piece of that puzzle and we have to show up. We are showing up with our piece of the puzzle, no matter where you are, no matter what you do, you're a piece of a puzzle that God's putting together. And every day you're bringing that piece of the puzzle. And if you don't bring your piece, the puzzle's not complete. And you're bringing your own time, your own talent and your own treasure. And that's why we're all here gathered here tonight saying, okay, God, use me. I'll bring my fish. I'll bring my loaves. Um, you use me, God, and you're gonna, he's going to do the, be- the rest. And that's what he did with Flyover Conservatives. Well, he told- that, the puzzle thing, homie, make sure you guys understand that. Have you ever done like a thousand-piece puzzle? <laughs> my wife's kind of a puzzle nerd. <laughs> I love puzzles. You know, all winter should be doing pu- Winter It starts getting cold, puzzle comes out. You can just set your watch by it. It's like an almanac. And she'll be working on it, and I'll be like, baby, so I'm good. Because normally she's asleep, like, first one. She's like, no, I'm just going to get two more pieces. I'm just going to get one more piece. And she just, she just futzes with the, with the puzzle, and I get one more, you know. And you work a long time on these clouds and stuff, and I'll come along, and I'll help a little bit. There's like a, a roof line. I'm like, I can find these, you know. <laughs> Have you ever done a thousand-piece puzzle and got to the end, and the, the, the center piece of the, of the guy's face is gone? What do you do? Is he like, oh, well, not every piece is that important. It don't really matter. That wasn't, that wasn't the main piece. What do you do? That piece becomes the most important of the thousand because it's the missing piece because you need that completion. It's important. So what do you do? You're looking around on the floor. You're crawling around. You're like, where is that? Did the dog eat it? You know, you're like, you'll do anything to find that piece because you instinctively know every piece is critically important. Every single person in this room, every single person watching this stream is necessary and you were chosen to be a light. God could have put you here 200 years ago. He could have put you here next week. You're alive and equipped, and we're seeing a repurposing of people's skills and ability like never happened in human history. Almost every person, we, we again, I mentioned the Reawaken America event, that event has about 80 speakers, and it's people from the medical community, military community, authors. They let a few politicians in, but it's kind of sketchy. <laughs> Lots of pastors. Before we started the show, I used to have this high esteem, like, oh, my goodness, this person's a senator or something. Like, wow. <laughs> now, two years of doing a podcast, I'm like, you know, if like your daughter started dating a senator, you'd be like, oh, man, I had such high hopes for her. <laughs> she couldn't have found, like, a, a nice biker or, you know, somebody respectable. Now the family's going to have the reputation, you know. But God's repurposing people's skills and abilities. You take people like us, business background, we'd never met one person that had even been a guest on a podcast, let alone knew anything about it. Our son had just the previous year gotten his, he had a successful product brokerage company, and then then he got a real estate license and insurance license in the same year and and put all of this hours and money into into a a goal. And he's like, in light of what God is calling us to do in this moment, I don't want to hold on to anything. I'll set it down, and I'm going to start something 
that, that not only you don't make money, you're spending money, you get paid with hugs. <laughs> if you're looking for a nice, easy way to like make money and start a business, don't do a podcast. Because <laughs> you can have people call you names for free. You know, you don't, you don't need that. But began this process. So it's okay, God, we're going to just, we'll let go of this and you repurpose it. We meet uh, people that were like, like Clay Clark. He was a business guy, had 160 companies, and his only request with everybody he talked to never mentioned God, never mentioned politics. He's a believer, but don't bring it in the business environment. No God, no politics. If you've ever heard him now, he's annoyingly all God, all politics. <laughs> he's like one of those people that joined CrossFit like a month ago, and all they talk about is CrossFit, and everything else is a waste of time. Oh, you work out on a treadmill. Oh, I do CrossFit, you know. <laughs> He's like the CrossFit guy of talking about politics and Jesus. And so God's repurposing these people. He's like, oh, this was, we're talking to someone on, your, on the crew here tonight earlier. And it's like, yeah, I used to work in like graphic designs and making promotional materials. And now I run a global live stream for, for this church. You know, it's like, oh, that makes perfect sense, this career trajectory, you know. Woo! So each puzzle piece is so critically important because God's taken like, hmm, this guy's a fisherman. You know what I could do? I can lead a global ministry. It changes the world with this guy. God has this history of taking people. It makes no sense and plucking them out of here. And he takes this square peg and he's like, oh, I got a round hole. This will fit well. Bam. And you're like, ow, I'm a square peg, God. You're shoving me in a round hole. It hurt. He's like, no, this is where I wanted you. You didn't need those corners. Hmm. Those corners weren't serving you anyway, just bam. And now you're in a round hole and you're like, oh, okay, what's next, God? And you just sort of do what he wants you to do and you get molded into what he needs right now. That's why you're here. You're learning. You are hungry to find out, God, what is going on in the world? How can I partner with what you're doing? Because I'm tired of trying to drag you into what I'm doing. We're all here tonight to partner with what God's going to do in the world with or without you. He doesn't need you. But if you get the honor of, of like, oh, I get to be here in this moment and partner with what he's doing. Yeah. Wow. Woo. It is. It's so exciting. And nobody's here by accident. All of us have a, a purpose and a reason for being here. Just like we've all, always heard from Pastor Robin and Prophet Robin, you were born with a destiny. You have a reason to be here, and it's a huge part of what God is doing in the world today. I cannot be more excited about tonight and what we're getting ready to experience. Um, if you, uh, like I just kind of said earlier, if you don't know who we are, David and Stacy White and Flyover Conservatives, you can find us at flyoverconservatives.com. We do do a nightly show uh, that comes out every night at 8.30 Central, um, and we cover everything from military intelligence to what's going on um, with election integrity to what's going on the education system to what the most important is what is God saying. Uh, so we go through those things. And then every Wednesday at 1111, I do something called the prophetic report. And I love it. It is a passion for me. A lot of uh, the things that I, that I go through do come uh, from Elijah streams. Uh, they come through obviously 11th hour. And it's, it's what is God saying during this time? And it's truly like putting together this mosaic of seeing, okay, wow, did you hear Johnny Inlow said this, and, and Amanda Grace said this, and Robin Bullock said this, and it's like God is pulling all of these things together, and sometimes it's word for word, because imagine it's God that's speaking, and it's so exciting. So that comes out every Wednesday at 11.11, 11, 
Um, and then David does something on Saturdays called the Conspiracy Conversation. And it is a blast. A lot of people like it. They don't like to tell other people they like it. <laughs> we'll be at live events and people will come up and they'll be like, I like that show you do on the Conspiracy <laughs> Conversation. Yeah. I'd always wondered about that, but I never wanted to tell anybody, you know. But it was kind of kicked off because, you know, when you see stuff that happened to even a guy like Joe Rogan and his health process and you see these things, all of a sudden it's like, well, kind of everything's a conspiracy now, you know. It's like, so what do you want to talk about? So we just kind of have those conversations. I bring on an author or somebody that's spent 10,000 hours on a topic and say, hey, what do you got to say? And uh, we have these really interesting conversations with a lot of people I don't necessarily line up or agree with. And some I do and some I don't. I don't focus on what I don't. I'm like, hey, what can we learn? And I think it's an interesting time to be alive where, you know, you can have this redneck in his basement in Missouri like me and talking to a guy in Scotland that wrote a book about, you know, something. And it's just like, wow, this is such a cool time, you know, to, to be alive. And so we all get to learn from each other and kind of kind of sharpen each other, you know, a little, a little bit. And, and uh, practice this skill of, you know, I can appreciate maybe even a genre of music without liking it. Like, I listen to it, but I appreciate what they're doing. You know, that's a good thing. We can even disagree on something and still be cool. You know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a lost art that I don't have to agree with you on every single thing that you say. And people are kind of finding out, too, when you turn off the news a little bit, there's a lot more we do agree on than we don't agree on. You turn that off and you actually leave your house and you break bread with real humans, you know, and you're like not texting them, but like you look at them and you... um. Uh, with your talk with your mouth it's like people are pretty cool they love their kids they love their neighbors they want things to to, to keep going and, and and you get in those conversations and you kind of it's, it's eventually just kind of like water just kind of finds a path it goes to jesus because all conversations lead there because people are looking for hope and answers and that is the hope that is the answer period <laughs> All right, well, we are so excited about tonight. The very first thing that we get to do, which is truly amazing, is everybody, I'm going to have you stand because we are going to worship together. Are you guys ready? Are you, are you like expectant in your heart? Did you? Yeah. I always like to tell people, sometimes in life you get what you want, but you almost always get what you expect. That's right. And so if you came in here like, if, you know, if you came in here wet wood and you're like, well, I hope they play my favorite song because that's what I need. <laughs> If you came in here tonight, dry wood, and you're like, man, just some, if a match gets near me, this place is going to blow. <laughs> some of you came in, you've already, been, you've already built that fire before you walked in the door. I can see it on you. Yep. You're stirring up your spirit, ready to receive a breakthrough. And sometimes your revelation might come in the middle of a song, which is something God lays on you, and we don't even have to get to the other part. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. If you came expecting that, I did. I am so hungry tonight. We are fired up, so please help us bring out the 11th Hour Crew. Look for a major event. I heard the Lord say to take place in Las Vegas. I see some kind of, I think it's some kind of sickness. An epidemic, baby. I saw an aircraft disaster. But I saw a missile blow one in half New York, Siberia, volcano, and I saw a flood in India. The Lord said to us, meet you in the temple at the 11th hour. Hallelujah.
Come on, look at your neighbor and say, man, I'm glad you're here.
against you tonight. We give you honor and praise and glory. You are our God, and beside you there is no other God. You're the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of glory. He is the only blood, he's the only way. Jesus is his name. Come on, say it with me. He is the only blood. He's the only way. Come on. Jesus is his name. Come on, say it. He is the only blood. He's the only way. Jesus is his name. Come on, say it. Only blood. He's the only way. Jesus is his name. He's the door. He's the door. Walk on through him. lift our hands and bless our God all over the house come on and we'll thank him I want you just to lift your voice up and begin to thank him you know it's in him we live in him we move and in him we have our being he is the life and the length of our days he's our God there is no other God let all the world know tonight Let all of heaven, earth, and hell hear you proclaim that there's only one God. There's only one God. Jesus, come on, it's his name. Shout it out loud. Say, say, Jesus. Jesus. Say, Jesus. Come on. Jesus. There is his name.
a time like no other time it is a time of destiny and it is a time to fulfill destiny hallelujah
says the Lord then I will begin to show you a path to your destiny I will show you a place through the written word 
and a path that goes all the way from cover to cover that will show you where I see you to be. For I have declared in my word that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I am speaking of being ahead of you and speaking and you walking into my words. You walking into your destiny. For there are holes left in time where people went through all their lives and never fulfilled destiny. But there are holes in this time that the Lord said, I will fill with you and I will fill with the call of your children. For I will use you to take the gospel of the Lord Jesus to the ends of the earth. I will use you to take it from the ground you're standing all the way to satellites, all the way to the ends of the earth and tell the world that Jesus Christ is the Lord and there is no other way. And when you fill the airwaves with my word, I will bring people out of bondage. I will bring people out of captivity. I will bring them out of Muslim nations. I will bring them out, says the Lord of grace. Oh, says the Lord of grace in this place. Listen to the wind Listen to the wind Listen to the wind Hallelujah, hallelujah Listen to the wind
about it was when we get into this place of the prophetic right now the nations are on the brink of total expansion this is a time in in the prophetic where and in the scheme of things where lines are being drawn and redrawn and so intercession must be made never have we seen in all these years the the superpowers and the nations that have gathered up around Israel. And you say, well, they're there to help. Yes. They're still there. And right now, Israel needs intervention in the spirit. And they need it from the prophetic church. The church has to pray in the spirit. We need to be able to pray in the Holy Ghost so that God can pray what he and do what he wants to. Hallelujah. As we look to the east, 
And we see the nation of Israel Oh Lord, redraw the lines even tonight Let that line be drawn in the sand And redrawn and expand the habitation of Abraham Expand it, Lord, on all sides, forward and to the right and to the left. We give you praise and honor and glory. Just a little more, Roxanne. Come on, if you pray in the Spirit and you know how to intercede in the Spirit, go ahead and start doing that right now. Come on. for your destiny.
Come on, who said you can't have fun in the Holy Ghost?
things are not the same as they were a few moments ago.
just a little more now say these things he's not only drawing lines in the sand and redrawing lines in the Mideast but the Lord said he's wanting you to enlarge your tents now he's going to redraw lines in your lives he wants you to redraw lines he wants you to strengthen your cords and lengthen your stakes because the Lord is going to do things he promised your forefathers he would do you're going to see things that your grandmothers and grandfathers prayed for. And they're going to show up in your life. The Lord said, just have the nerve to set your face like flint and turn it toward him. And he will see to it you come into a large land. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God does his best work when it looks like everything else is wrong. Hallelujah. Hear it, you can hear the sound. Come on, it's just about done now. Hear it. Lift up your heads. Lift up your eyes. Look all around you, for the Lord is there to lengthen your stakes. Expand your borders tonight in the Spirit. Shout you God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Come on, just we're about to change it all up now. Celebrate Jesus. 
It's time to celebrate. Yeah, yeah. It's time to celebrate. Yeah, yeah. It's time to celebrate. Yeah, yeah. Celebrate Jesus. Oh yeah, yeah. Jesus. He's the only one to celebrate. Yeah, yeah. Say Jesus, Jesus, yeah, yeah, celebrate Jesus. Time to celebrate, yeah, yeah. Come on, time to celebrate, yeah, yeah. Time to celebrate, yeah, yeah. Jesus. Come on, one more time. It's time to celebrate. It's time to celebrate. It's time to celebrate. Celebrate Jesus. Celebrate Jesus. For me, I was, I was standing there, you know, worshiping and... Help Elijah Streams continue to reach people around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Visit ElijahStreams.com slash give and become a partner today. I couldn't help but break out. It'd be like, you ever had like pizza too late or something and you had crazy dreams and... It'd be like waking up and saying, man, baby, the craziest dream, like, you know, like 11th hour, you know? It was like, we were watching 11th hour, but like I was on stage watching Robin... <laughs> Beside me, it was like a crazy. It seemed so real. It's like we were there. That's how. It, that's how it felt standing there watching it tonight. Because we've watched this at home for years, you know. And then to be there, I was like, "This is just like the eleventh hour." <laughs> but I'm in it. <laughs> Do you have dreams like that? They're just kind of funny. Yeah. You're like it's some version of your real life, but it's like mutated. Like, hey, I was like snow skiing, and like my third grade teacher came by on a tricycle or something, you know. And you're like. I don't have like prophetic dreams. I just have like some weird version of my regular life. And that's what this feels like, you know, getting to be here with you guys tonight and enjoy this. It's, it's, it's so great to see the enthusiasm for what God's doing and what God's going to do through you in this world. Yes. Wow. As we were over there worshiping, um, I really felt like the Lord said just to take a second. I think we're all supposed to just take a second, whether you're here physically or you're online in your home, I think we're supposed to just take a second and ask the Lord, like, Lord, what do you have for me during this time? Maybe it was something you gained in worship. Maybe it's something you're getting ready to gain, or maybe it's something in the future that stemmed from tonight. But I feel like there's two components to it. The first is that God has something for us 
tonight. But I think the second part of that is that we have something that we're bringing to the equation tonight. That it's, it's actually, we're active in it. We're not just participants sitting and watching. We are active in what the Lord is doing right now. I mean, I know that there's, the Smiths are here from uh, Michigan. And, you know, we met Stephanie today here from Tennessee. And, you know, we've got friends here from Connie from Minnesota. And, you know, there's friends from Mississippi. You know, I mean, there's people from all over the country as well as people online tonight. You are in different countries, but God has you here for a reason. So I just want to take a second. I, I, I want to give the Lord just a second to you actually ask, I'm going to ask, you know, God, what do you have for me in an expectation of what the Lord has for us during this time? And then the second part of that question is, God, what am I bringing to the equation so that I know what I'm supposed to give. So let's just take a second to do that. I just feel like the Lord is saying that there is, just like Prophet Robin was saying, there's territory that's being expanded, that he's expanding our tent pegs for many people tonight. And so I just think as, as we come across that, none of us are qualified. But God doesn't require that of us. It's never that we're qualified. He qualifies us in the process of us just trusting him as we walk this out. And I feel like there are people here tonight that are like, yeah, but God, I'm not, I'm not qualified to do that. That's not part of the equation. You don't have to be. We just have to be bringing our fish and loaves and saying, God, use me. Use me. I'm willing. I'm obedient. And I'm willing to step out. So we just give you, God, this time tonight that... Um, as we worship and this intelligence briefing and everything we're getting ready to learn and experience that God, that we just want to be people that you can use during this time, that we are vessels that are willing for you to use us, God. And we just invite you, Holy Spirit, right in the center of this time of our lives, even in the future as people are watching, that God, that, that this just breathes into the future as people, even if it's five years from now, that this is constantly living, God. And God, we just love you, we worship you, and we give you this time. Thank you for the plans that you have for us, and thank you for what we're bringing to the equation tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, hey, I want to mention something since you're here. This is my buddy, Krista. I don't know if you guys are familiar with with, with Krista. Yes, we love her so much. I watch her at home on the drums. I'm like, that'd be so cool. Just like, just watch that, you know. Maybe next time you all can give me like a little cowbell or something and maybe like a feather or something so I'm not making any noise, but at least participate. I want to show people your shirt because you guys have new line of merchandise available. Yeah. It'll be sporting. There's a cream colored one too, which we're going to talk about more tonight uh, at the end too. But we just had a model right here. I know we have yeah. a model right here. So tell them about your, your new merch. Well, this is, so we did have a shirt that said Warrior Alabama on the front of it. And on the back it said, the little town that's shaking the nation. Well, we've expanded, and so we we added the S, and because we added the S, we had to have a whole new design. So our mascot in Warrior is actually, we are the Warrior Indians, imagine that, and uh, we're the Warrior Indians, we're established in 1889, and now we have said, the little town shaking the nation, so carry this with you everywhere you go. Woo, thank you, Krista. I, I love it. You know... Because you guys have, you know, a, a Roll Tide shirt or you have a Cowboy shirt or a Chiefs thing. You, you, why do you wear those things? Because you hate that team? No. It's, no. 
you wear the item because you partner with the message. And, and then when you partner with the message, what do you do when you're out and about? You look, you see somebody else for the same. Yeah, hey, me too. Roll time, right? <laughs> I don't want to split the room. I don't have a dog in the fight down here. I know there's another, there's another football team too on the other side. But Auburn? Ellie, <laughs> that's another one. But you wear those things because you identify with the message, you're proud of it, and then you partner with other people that do. So it's kind of fun to, to have, have that merchandise. I saw some wake up, speak up, show up t-shirts over here. I was yeah, like, oh, whoop, that's whoop, my people. But that's a great way to be able to, to participate in what they're doing here as a ministry. And they'll have those tonight, too. There's cool hats, which the hats are amazing. I want one of the hats. They have sweatshirts. They have T-shirts. They have uh, cream-colored ones. They've got the black. And so you're going to be able to get those tonight afterwards Everything as well. about this whole crew here tonight, they're just, isn't this cool? I would think I thought that everyone in this whole band is just exceptionally cool. I think, I think Robin yeah. Bullock. Yeah. They're just cool. Like, Robin Bullock's fingernail clippings are, like, cooler than I'm ever going to be. <laughs> you know, some people, like, I could even, like, I could even, like, steal his clothes and put them on and be like, you look like a dork wearing Robin Bullock's clothes, you know? <laughs> They're just cool, you know? And it, it's kind of neat to see the freedom of being able to, to externally express what God's doing inside. And everyone here does that. I love it. I even, I even like the cowbell. I know. All right, so we actually have the honor and privilege to um, introduce tonight someone that's made a, dig, a big difference in our life. David had said this earlier, you know, when everything started in 2020 and uh, the craziness and the chaos hit, we were like, okay, God, what is going on? And this ministry back in 1997 was sending out emails about prophetically what is going on and a lot of us were receiving those emails, and now a lot of us, every single Monday through Friday, this individual is in our home. We're watching them on yeah. our, our televisions and on our computers and on our phones because it's bringing so much hope and so much truth to what God is doing right now in the world. Over these last uh, couple of years, we had the opportunity to um, get to know this individual better. We actually interviewed him on our show, and if you have not seen this interview, I highly recommend it. You can go to Flyover Conservatives on Rumble and just put in the name Steve Schultz under Flyover Conservatives because this interview is oh, unbelievable. If, if you don't cry, something's broken <laughs> because it's so humbling. It'll, 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 it'll make you, number one, want to be a better person when you watch that interview. But number two, you'll, you'll wonder about any grudges you're holding in your life mm -hmm. that you're holding on to and people that you aren't forgiving. You're like, what is my problem? God, I got to take this to you. It, you'll have a breakthrough with that episode. It is so powerful. The testimony is so powerful. It is. It is. Another thing we've learned about him is, you know, anytime that you, um, anytime that you interview, you know, individuals, um, especially when you watch it on Elijah streams, you see the humility of this individual, you know, as he just humbly sits back and listens to what God is doing. And what I love to watch with this individual is how excited he gets about what God is doing. I love when he interviews Kat, and they're talking about heaven. And I know some of those oh. questions that he was getting, those were actually his questions. Uh, uh, he would, uh, see, uh, uh, see, another viewer asked. Uh, yeah. And they would have, like, news they had to get through in the beginning. And, yeah, there's something going on, an election. Okay, okay. Uh, okay, tell me about this in heaven. You know, and just go through. I'm like, those were all his questions. You could tell. Which makes us so excited. That's why we really love to watch this program, and we are just so excited to hear what God is doing. 
we had the opportunity to spend time in Israel uh, with him and to actually see truly how humble he is. In a, in a room of hundreds of people, he truly is like, he steps back to like, God, what are you doing during this time? It's truly always ta- taking the backseat to what God is doing, which is so beautiful That's to That's why watch. God could use him so greatly. Yep. His heart was prepared before this moment came. His heart was prepared in private before he became such a public figure. And it's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing to see. It's a beautiful thing to see, like a, a rose open. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, wow, God, you're just like, so you see somebody's life just continuing to do that. I think mm-hmm. it's such a great thing to watch. And the other thing that we've really noticed about him is how generous he is. Generous with his time, generous with his finances, generous with this platform. I mean, it's unbelievable, unbelievable to watch him. He was so generous to David and I when we were um, in Israel. We weren't a part of Elijah's streams or Elijah List, what they were doing, but he allowed us and invited us and paid for us to be part of a helicopter ride where we got to see Israel. And it was truly amazing. We were humbled to be able to be a part yeah. of that. He is a generous, generous individual. So please help us welcome to the stave. Stage, Steve Schultz. How are you guys? Wow, thank you. Wow. So Robin's going to be out here in a minute. Let me just take a couple minutes to tell you before he comes out, he's getting ready. I want to tell you what happened about um, three years ago tonight, really, today. We were in the middle of, well, let me just backtrack a little bit more. Uh, when COVID hit, and we were right in the midst of it three over three years ago, we, we closed down our studio, which wasn't doing very well. We'd get a couple thousand views in a month on one show, and it would take us weeks to edit it. We closed the, the, the very expensive studio. I came home to, my, uh, to our dining room table where I still sit and do the show at the exact same spot, the exact same one. And Johnny Enloe, how many of you love Johnny Enloe? <clears throat> by, the, by the time this happened that I'm about to tell you, I was 65, I'm 68 now. And everything in my life, in my wife and my, and my life, by the way, stand up, Doreen, so they can see you. <clears throat> everything in our life was up to that point. And Johnny Endo typed me out a word, and he said simply this, because I was doing a show a week, and I would tell my staff, they'd say, Steve, you need to be online more because you do a podcast. And I said, People don't need to hear from me. They don't, I don't have anything to say, and they would try to argue with me. Well, uh, I said, okay, I'll do a show once in a while. I don't know if I'd done Cat yet or not. I think I'd done one at the studio. And Johnny typed me a message. He says, the Lord says you need to do 10 days in a row up to the election, which was we were right in the middle of that 10 days three years ago tonight. And he said, do 10 days in a row with Cat Kerr. He promised nothing. As a result, he said, you need to do. Well, I, I've gotten to be in those first 65 years like Forrest Gump where I just said, okay, okay. <laughs> you know, I don't know if he's from Alabama, but that's probably what he's. And so I just said, okay. And, and, I, and then Kat had to say yes, too. Well, Kat said yes. Right away, we had never done 10 days in a row of anything. I, did, I was willing, but I didn't know if she would have a schedule. 
we did those 10 days and this ministry exploded from that point on. And when we did that, those 10 days, I was about a week, maybe two out from hearing of a man named Robin D. Bullock. I'd never heard of him. I didn't see, we hadn't published any of his prophecies on the Elijah list. And, uh, but I saw him on Sid Roth. I was flipping the channels on the ministry that day, and I saw him. And the way God speaks to me is often he won't give me the name. He won't necessarily give me a, the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he does, but I just looked at him, and I listened to what he said, and I go, him. You know, it's just like that. And I knew that I knew I would have to have him, and I knew that I knew we'd be friends. It was one of those things. And so I said, Julie, go invite Robin Bullock, will you? And I'll let him tell the rest of the story and what his reaction was. We were talking about that last night. But if Robin's ready, I don't know if he is. Robin, are you ready? <laughs> oh, this is what you're going to do to me, huh? <laughs> well, someone better tell me something. I don't know. You can let me know what's going on. Yeah, there you are. <laughs> Hey, give Robin D. Bullock a hand. Now you're talking. Now we're talking. <laughs> Good to see you, man. Yeah, I love you, man. Good. Well, we had fun. I was looking in the wrong place for you. So do you have a mic? I'll use this one. So I was just telling them about the 10 days with Kat Kerr, and then a few days later... I had seen Robin D. Bullock. I'd never had heard your name or anything until you were on uh, Sid Roth. Roth. And it yeah. was like, it, what, what people may or may not know is, I don't, you don't still guess, but that's not what happens in Christian streaming or TV, but I got you through Sid Roth. I got uh, Donna Rigney from Sid Roth. I got Yvonne Atia from Sid Roth. So thank you, Sid. <laughs> God bless you. you yeah. Know? We love Sid. We do. Oh, yeah. He's amazing. It is awesome. But then you you had heard of me about me by that time, or I what? had, yeah. And somebody they they con they called me and said, uh, Steve Schultz with the Elijah list has got tried to get in touch with you. Should we call him back? I said, Yeah, call him back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead and con- contact him back. That was nice. And so. then that's just been family ever since. We really have. We had. To, oh, and I want to tell you a couple of things. In fact, let me introduce the next section by. When, when we were in uh, Israel in yep. April, May, I think it was a few days in May, yep. I sat right across from Robin and uh, Robin and Robin, and it was such a fun time. And then the, the Tias were back behind us. So we had a lot of time fun laughing. But just so everyone knows, when the cameras were off and it's just us, he went, you know, when I go on a tour, I have a camera or I'm looking around. Robin D. Bullock's got his Bible in his lap the entire trip. And, I mean, he lives and breathes the Word of God. It's not just a thing he does for a show. He's there. And I want to add this, and then it's going to come into my first question, if we can get into it. But last night, we were setting this up, trying to get the lights right and the, the you know, the backdrop. By the way, nice backdrop, guys. Nice. Nice. We got a clock. Oh, oh, a clock. We've got a clock. Welcome to Elijah's Dreams. It's 8.31 p.m., and we are Warrior, Alabama. And welcome to Robin. Good um, Wow. <laughs> so we were kind of done getting ready. There's just a small group of us here. The place was empty. And Robin said, let's, let's pray. 
no cameras, no mics are on, and Robin got on his knees to pray for this event. Um, I didn't do my knees because my knees won't hold me right now. But so I, I leaned up against the chair and bowed really low to be as respectful because he was really humbling himself before God. And this is what I want to ask you. When you were down there, Robin, you began to prophesy. And I'd never heard you talk about Bob Jones before, but yeah. you began to prophesy about the billion soul harvest. And even that night, I thought, I wonder what he's seeing. Yeah, if it's okay with you, can I just start with that? What sure. were you seeing about the billion soul harvest? I, you know, I was, um, what I did, you know, I'm just thanking God. I'm I'm not really asking for anything, you know, I'm just thanking him. And, and just praising. I love to thank God. I love to thank him. Without, you know, he's my life. He's the length of my days. Without him, I I wouldn't even be alive. And so I like to just give him thanks. But while I was doing that, the Lord started talking about Israel. He started talking to me about world events and about things that are happening. And he said, I am going to shape this world to a place to where he's going to fulfill the prophecy of Bob Jones, that there will be a billion souls come into the kingdom. Yeah. A That's billion large. souls. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about something uh, back there, and I, I had him charge my phone up. Because <laughs> they accused me of, of you know, it being... Well, down all the time now. <laughs> you remember? I thought, wasn't it? Wasn't it, Brother Bob that said that time? He said, he, he you know, Bob Jones. You don't know him, Tom. Was one of the greatest prophets we ever knew of. Yeah. He said, he said one time to somebody. I think it was him. He said, uh, "If you need me, I'll call you." <laughs> That's it. That's Bob. I think it was Bob. That's about right. (laughs) You know, but I think that billion soul harvest, I think that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing a a fight. We're in a collision time. You know, I told uh, Gene Bailey a few, a couple years ago on Victory Thon, I said, we're, he asked me, he said, where do you see us right now? I said, we're about to see a collision take place. Mm Well, I don't know why we thought the collision wouldn't happen and involve Israel. But of course it will involve Israel. And you know, I'm going to tell you something else too, brother. It, here, here is the thing. Um, if, see, Israel, all of this stuff, men have, men get, gather their own ideas at what they're going to do. And I might as well just say it, yeah, you know. Go for it. People. Friends. People tried to make, they tried to make the the Ukraine the scales on which to weigh all the nations. They began to say this, you know, um, if, if, if you don't treat the Ukraine right, you're, you're this or you're that. They were weighing the nations on the Ukraine. The Ukraine was never the scales to weigh the nations on. Israel is the scales that the nations are weighed on. And so so it had to come around, and the scales have to be brought out to the world. And the collision time now is happening. And the Lord spoke this to me. He says, um, 
He said, warring with destiny. See, we should, we, we're supposed to worship according to our destiny. So you don't worship according to what you see. You worship according to your destiny, what God calls you to be, what he sees you to be. And so you have to worship according to that. You have to, you do everything according to your destiny. And until you live that way, then you will never experience the victory you're supposed to. You have to do it according to what he sees you to be. Can you, yeah, can, I was going to ask you, could you give an example of somebody mm-hmm. that would worship according to their destiny? What does that mean? Well, David would do that. Okay. He would worship according to his destiny. See, he was, he was a king. He was going to be the king. He was anointed to be king. And so everything he did, if you'll notice, it was he fought according to his destiny. He prayed according to his destiny. He didn't pray like he was just somebody never going to get out of Bethlehem. He prayed constantly like he belonged on that throne over there. And he did everything according to his destiny. And that's what we have to do. And the Lord spoke this to me. He said, he said you have to begin to war with destiny. You worship according to your destiny. You must move into a place where everything you do is according to your destiny. And according to your future, in the same way, warfare must be conducted with destiny. Destiny is the future God has planned for you. It's what he sees you to be. He's trying to treat us according to that plan. He talks to us according to that plan. He interacts with us according to that destiny. I'm speaking of, a, of, of the Father himself. A destiny includes a destination, a nation, which includes a people and a location. We have to war according to that destiny. The father wars according to destiny. It never occurs to him that what he says will not happen. (laughs) That's good. That's really good. It never occurs to God. Never. I wonder if this will actually happen. It's not a thought. <laughs> no, before. it never occurs to him. <laughs> good thought. That's good. It's because he's doing it according to destiny. That's right. He don't act like anything else is going to happen. <laughs> oh, come That's on. Good. Yeah. Come on, y'all. Yeah. It That's never good. occurs to him that what he says won't happen, Steve. Yeah. This absolutely... <laughs> This absolutely throws the devil into chaos. It does because he can't get the father off of destiny. Why? Because he's a faith God. Wow. <laughs> he's a faith God. So, so Satan, it throws him into chaos. And so the Lord said to read that, and I don't know where we're going with that, but he said, read it. Well, you know, you said he, you said he's a faith God, yeah. and I heard someone describe God as not a very religious person because he's not worshiping himself. So if he has faith, if he's a faith God, is he trusting in his faithfulness? Because I've heard it said that for us to have the God kind of faith, it's not faith where we're so intensely finally believing God he finally got through to us for what he promised as much as his faith in the faithfulness of God to do it. I don't know. What are your... You know, you know, 
I think, see, the scripture says in the book of Hebrews that through faith, he created the world. He created the worlds through his faith. He did that through his faith. You know, let's, let's look at something. Let's go over to, um, let's go over to Mark and we'll look at chapter 11 and, um, we usually put it on the screen. Yeah, we do put it on the screen. Yeah, we do. Don't we? I okay. I used to watch it on the screen. <clears throat> Mark, <laughs> Mark chapter 11. We might could do that. I don't know. It's up to you. I want you to, to listen to this in verse 22. It says, And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. It said, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you that what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Now you said that about faith of God, yeah. God having faith and this and that. But listen to what this says. Jesus answering and said unto them, have faith in God, or have the God kind of faith. Now, the God kind of faith, he explains how it works. Because what had happened, he were talking about this fig tree that he had spoke to, and it withered up from the root. And then he says this, he said, look at that tree. Peter said, look at that tree, look at that tree. You know, everybody yeah. wants to say, look at that, look at that, look at that tree. <laughs> you know, they always want to say, look at that thing. And Jesus said, have the God kind of faith. Some of the margins in your Bible will say that. Have the faith of God or the God kind of faith. But I want to show you something now, and this is going somewhere. Yeah. We're about to go somewhere. He said, have the God kind of faith. And then he tells what that is. For truly, verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. He said, that's the God kind of faith. You believe it in your heart, you say it with your mouth, and you'll have what you say. Okay, let's do it again. He said, you believe it in your heart, you say it with your mouth, and you'll have what you say. That's the God kind of faith. That's how he stepped out on, on darkness and said, light be. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. But now watch, we're not there yet. Okay. He said, he said, have the God kind of faith, the faith of God, and this is how it works. If you believe in your heart, what you believe in your heart and you say it with your mouth, and you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe what you say will come to pass, you'll have what you say. That's the God kind of faith, right? And he said, I just did that with that tree. You ever notice he didn't, he didn't the Bible didn't say he spoke to the tree said he answered the tree. Oh, wow. That's good. I told you a story uh, this weekend or yesterday. We got together and I was telling you about Doreen, my wife. Doreen, my son-in-law injured his arm yeah. and all the muscles came off this arm. It really, it's a known injury that requires surgery to reattach the muscles. He's at the state fair and had one of those rides and it pulled the muscle off. Mm. Well, uh, on the show, some of you happened to be watching the Hastings that day and I told them that I had a son-in-law who had damaged his, um, and I described it. And my dream was close by. I don't remember if it was right then or a few minutes later. 
and uh, he, um, I can't think of his Hastings. I can't remember his first name, but uh, Henry, Henry, isn't it? He, he he gave a great word of knowledge. It was from the Lord, and he said, "Here's a word of the Lord for you, Steve. Um, Ben's gonna he's gonna be fine. His arm's gonna get. He's gonna have full use of it. It's gonna look a little funny, but she, but it's gonna he has a full use of it. That's a great word." Doreen heard that, and she said, no, sir. She said, I want him to have full use of his arm and not look funny. And you know what? She got exactly what she's asked for. He's, he's fully restored. There's a little tiny scar where you can see where they cut into there. So that's the God kind of faith. She believed it. She said it with her mouth, and she got it. Yeah. See, now, watch. I'm going to finish this verse here. Okay. <laughs> all right, now what's going to happen? Now what, why? He said, now this all goes together. Okay. I mean, here it is. He said, you believe in your heart. You say it with your mouth. You'll have, a, and you believe that. You'll have whatever you say. Look at your neighbor and say, you believe it in your heart. Say it with your mouth. And you'll have what you say. Yeah, what you say. Now that's what he said. That's how God uses his faith. Then verse 24, Jesus said, therefore, because of this, I say. Oh, no, you're not, you're not with me yet. He said, this is how it works. He spent the whole time telling them how that tree happened. And then he said, it works this way. You believe in your heart, you say it with your mouth, you have what you say. This is the God kind of faith. Because of this, therefore, I say. What are you going to say, Jesus? He said, I say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray, you believe you receive them and you will have them. He said, I get what I say and I say that about you. You should be a preacher or something. Yeah, see, how many of you see what I just said? Yeah, that's All right. good. Now, here is the thing. See, when I... When Robin and I got married, you know, we've been married 44 years. And when, when we got married, we were just kids, you know. We were 16, 17. And uh, I was 17 when I married. Amber was born when I was 19, 19. And um, so I was a dad at 19. You know, I was born grown. You know, that, that's, that's the way my kids think anyway. And, but, but I want you to watch something. And we're going somewhere, I promise yeah, you. This man. is something different. Yeah. And it's because of the time we're in. We're in a prophetic time that God absolutely expects you and I to turn this thing. He expects us to turn it. And there ain't but one way you're going to turn it. You're gonna have, we're going to have to get to the place where we do the, what he did with that tree. Yeah. Now, when, when we got married and Amber was born, you know, Amber was playing the congas tonight. Sometimes she plays drums. She was our first drummer, you know, after Robin's brother. She was our drummer. One day, one morning we was playing. We didn't have a drummer. He didn't show up. And so I just turned around and looked at Amber and I said, the Lord has anointed you to play. <laughs> play. <laughs> she just got on the drum and started playing. Well, well, when she was born 
in those days, you know, they didn't bring them to your room. Yeah. Everything didn't happen in one room. You know, the, they had a delivery room and then they would bring the mother back and then they had the baby in the nursery. How many of you remember that? You'd have to go down and view through the window. Well, we noticed that Amber, she didn't act like the other babies. She had, she had this little cast, I mean, a little sling on her arm. And if you touched her arm, she'd cry, scream. So I was trying to, I'd almost had to rebuild my car, it seemed like, to go to the store at times. And I was, I couldn't get to the hospital. And so Amber, I mean, Robin and Amber was at the hospital where they came in and told Robin, she's just, now she's just 18 year old girl, you know. And so they walked in there and sat down by her bed. And this is what they said to her. And this is about how they said it. They said, your baby was born with a pinched nerve that's pinched in two. It's, and she'll have no use of this arm. So when she's about 12, we can do some kind of surgery and get her some kind of use, but it's going to be a little short arm. It'll grow very short over time. And then just left, walked out of the room and left. That's how they told her. Well, she just grabbed the pillow and started screaming into the pillow. She called me. We didn't have cell phones, you know. She called me. And I got in my old... Mustang, and I went down there. And I got down there, and I heard the story. And so Robin called all of her Pentecostal family. They had the hair way up. Oh, yeah. And they knew how to touch God, too. You know, I mean, they knew how. And so they started praying. Well, I didn't know a whole lot about much. I just knew that I loved God and I knew I was a heathen and I wasn't anymore. That's about all I knew. But I had, I had heard a man named Kenneth Copeland preach. And so I, I thought that's strong enough to hold me. Everybody else apologized, but for what God wouldn't do. But he didn't, so I, I didn't I didn't know, you know. I just had enough sense to believe God. And so I I took my Bible and I walked out in the hallway of that hospital and I said, God, now this is what I said. Oh, you mad oh brother, I wouldn't talk to God that way. It wasn't your baby. <laughs> and you wasn't in my shoes. I said, God, I said, this is your word and your covenant says, and I started quoting the scripture and I said, it don't include a, a baby with a short arm and a paralyzed arm. I said, now I expect your word to work for me. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I expect this and I want to thank you for it. And I walked back in that room. Well, they had Amber laying beside Robin. She's just a little bitty thing. Amber, you know, tiny. She's tiny. And I just sat down beside her, and I had her arms like this, and I was doing them like this. And she wasn't crying, but I didn't notice this. She wasn't crying. And while I'm just talking to Robin, suddenly she jerked that arm out of my hand. Gee, no. Now, it was paralyzed. It wouldn't work. Oh, man. And she jerked it out of my hand, and I looked at Robin, 
She looked at me. I said, I'm going to get a doctor. Well, this was about nine at night. They're all home. But I found one. And I found the one that was over all the doctors. And I got him up on that floor. That's the first time we'd saw him. It's over all the children's, you know, or whatever they call that. And so he comes in there, and he's, he's sitting there, and he's patronizing us. Well, one, I, it's like I said, one day when she's about, he has her arms now. One day when she's about 12, we can do some surgery and get her some use back in that arm. And while he was doing this, he looked around, and she jerked it out of his hand. <laughs> he jumps up, runs out of the room. He sends a, a little gurney and a team and gets her and takes her somewhere. And the next thing we know, they're prepping us to go home. Wow. Well, we never saw him again. <laughs> now, now, we went back for the checkup, and this older man, I guess it was, came in there and he told Robin, he said, did they ever show you these x-rays? She said, no, they didn't. He said, well, the first x-ray, it looks like a little thin line, like a thread somebody has just rubbed into. And he said, but the second set of x-rays is a big fat nerve that runs through. It's completely different than what it was before. (laughs) See? Yeah. And see, there she is right there. Yeah, right there. Right there. See? See, what people think, what people think, you, you have to remember something. When Elijah, you know Elijah, Steve, well, you don't know him, but you've read about him. <laughs> I will. <laughs> you, know, you know, Elijah, he, he had the audacity to tell Ahab. He said, it won't rain till I say it rains. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Isn't that arrogance? Yeah, and he should have said, it won't rain till God tells me it's yeah, going to rain. Yeah, if it's the will of God, it'll yeah. rain. Brother, if it's the will of God, brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? Elijah didn't say that. Elijah didn't say that. Now, now here is where we are. You want me to continue yeah, right now? Yeah, yeah. We got time. Yeah, we got time. <laughs> Let's go. Preach it. <laughs> you, know, you know, we always have to ask that. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Steve's clock. It's 854, folks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're good. You're supposed to say subscribe. Yeah. Right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't listen to Yeah. <laughs> see, <laughs> see where, where we are. Where we are in time is, is the Lord is trying to bring, see, everybody, everybody may not be prophets, yeah. like the mantle of a prophet, but everyone that's born again is prophetic because you have, you have the anointing of a king, a priest, and a prophet on the inside of you, especially if you're baptized in the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Now, you know, when Elijah shows up and says that, he just says, he just shows up and says, um, I mean, it's the first 
the introduction we have of him. It won't rain till I say it rains. And he's Elijah the Tishbite. And nobody even knew what that was. A Tishbite. What is a Tishbite? They didn't know. But, if you, but when you read it in Jewish history, this is what had happened, according to them. And it don't take away from the scripture, so then it's not doing any injury to it. It says this, says that Elijah, see, Joshua had given a prophecy that whoever rebuilds Jericho will lay the foundations in their firstborn and they'll hang the gates in their youngest. So whoever built it, their sons was going to die. Well, a rich Jewish man named Heel had rebuilt Jericho in Ahab and Jezebel's day. He rebuilt it, paid for it, and he had it done. Well, when he laid the foundations, his eldest son had died. And according to the Jewish people, seven of his sons died all the way to the youngest when he hung the gates. And the reason we see over here when Elijah meets King Ahab, what we're looking at here is that Ahab was going down to see Heel because his sons had died. Elijah was going down to tell him why. Why his sons died. Yeah, and they met on the way. And according to the Jews, the ancient teachers, Ahab looked at Elijah and he said, your master Moses, now this is real key, said your master Moses so we know who Elijah studied after. Yeah. Moses. And he said, your master Moses, now this is according to the Jewish teaching, said, your master Moses said, if we worshiped idols and we offered, uh, did all the wicked things I'm doing, that it wouldn't rain. And he said, but look at me. Ahab built a temple to Baal. He was a priest in the temple of Baal. He was offering children as human sacrifice. And he told Elijah, he said, look at me, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And your master Moses said there wouldn't rain if I did these things. So Elijah looked at him and said, it won't rain till I say it rains. Now what happened was a new level of authority in the prophetic realm. Elijah picked up the results of what Moses prophesied wow. and prophesied it as wow. if it was his prophecy wow. going forward. Wow. That's amazing. And that's the power that is turned up when you face rogue kings in a time that kings go rogue. Prophets are called on the scene and the power is turned up to that. And you're, when you're, just, you're not mincing words, you're saying like right now. Like right now. Okay. Right. Like right now. You know, people say, well, I don't, I don't believe in prophets. Shh. Just, you're just in the way. I mean, you're, you're in the way. Prophet is mentioned more in the New Testament than pastor. You're going to say you don't believe in pastors? There's Philip the evangelist. 
But there was a prophet Agabus who prophesied a famine. There was a prophet Agabus and a friend prophet of Agabus's that both came to Paul and traveled. One of them traveled with Paul. A couple of prophets did. And one of them even took Paul's sash and tied his hands up with it and said, if you go to Jerusalem, apostle, this is what's going to happen. And a prophet told him this, a New Testament prophet. So why don't you hear much about prophets? Because prophets deal with the political. Yeah, that's not taught. I, I was never taught that. I was taught uh, prophets are not supposed to touch the political realm. I mean, we're taught that prophets had nothing to do with the political realm. I mean, I was, we were to tell, you know, we were just talking about this earlier. We don't mention religion or politics. Anyway, we started. Yeah, but, yeah, but you know, here's the thing. Even in the natural, all the laws of the United States were based on a Blackstone's commentaries of English law. I've got four volumes of it, of some of the original, uh, they're old, whatever they are. Yeah. And, and, and you, you have to use a lot of faith to read Blackstone. But Blackstone is full of so much scripture. Every law is based on scripture that people got saved reading after the law really? in his day. Oh, wow. So you, you cannot separate a nation built out of this book from this book. See, you just can't. Now, if people don't think that prophets are involved in the political, then what was Elijah doing talking to Ahab? He's the king. I mean, he's a monarchy, man. He's a guy who could have killed him on the spot. Just ordered him dead right there. Why did Moses brace Pharaoh if he don't deal with the political? Why did Elisha advise the king and would even tell the king where the, the enemy army was about to attack? Dealing with kings. Why did Samuel anoint the king? Prophets, that is that office. That office, and you shouldn't criticize a prophet until you have the nerve to stick your bony finger in the face of a king and say, thus saith the Lord. Because a lot of them don't take that laying down. Hey, and Robert, don't we have a lot of people who say they're prophets? They don't, they don't touch that. They don't touch that realm. What, what yeah, well, about? you know, in my opinion... People confuse one of the nine gifts of the Spirit, yeah. prophecy, yeah. with the realm of the office of the fivefold yeah. prophet. Yeah. See, that's, there's a difference. Yeah. There's a big difference. It's all prophetic. You can all prophesy, according to 1 Corinthians that's 12, right. 13, 14, that's right. but you're not all prophets, not that's by right. any strength. Okay. You can all prophesy but you're not all prophets. It's just like everybody, not everybody's pastors. Right. I, I don't want to be a pastor. You wouldn't want me to be a pastor. <laughs> and, and, and I don't, I, I don't, I'm not an evangelist. I mean, I do the work of one, but that's not my office. An evangelist can just give an altar call and, and I mean, rocks will come get saved. I mean, <laughs> that the anointing just on them, they'll just come. 
you know, they just whistle. And here comes everybody. And man, I, I just stand back when I see that. Can I go back and ask you a little bit more I, uh, before we com- completely leave that part that you were reading about the faith of God? Mm-hmm. Um, people in here, myself included, we've been through times where we were convinced, we said it out loud, we proclaimed something to be true, we believed in our heart, at least the best I knew, I believed in my heart. Um, but then why don't we see more of that happen? What's Something's broken. It's not on his side. No, it's not. So what's broken on our side? You know what? Yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot okay. for something now. It won't be the last time or the first time. <laughs> okay. Okay. <clears throat> what, what I want, what okay. I think would be really good right now, okay. if, if, if you want to. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> to tell that how you called out to God. Remember how yeah, you... Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, if, if you... Yeah, if I, I think, don't I think destroy it people's be, faith. No, you know? no, no, it won't. I'll show you why. Okay. Because uh, what I told him that I did, I said, well, I'm going to tell you what I did. I'm not saying I should have did it. No, but go ahead you and know? tell us, dude. Okay, so that. many of you don't may or may not know that I went through a, a death period of seven years where I got down to under 100 pounds. While the Elijah list was going, I was bedbound for four years. And I didn't tell the people. My staff knew it. But my family hadn't even seen me. I wouldn't let anybody come see me. They couldn't figure out what was wrong. I couldn't eat. I was nauseated. Uh, Eventually, they found out that there was a sinus thing, and I had five surgeries. But it took them almost seven years to cover to to find that. So I was wasting away and wasting away. Yeah. Uh, My wife, with her good dear friend Lori, who's with us tonight, they mount walked up Mount Hope. The three mountains, three sisters mountains in Oregon, Faith, Hope, and Charity, they walked up Holt to pray for me. And while they were doing that, I got excited because I was bedbound. but I thought, I'm going to pray myself out of this thing. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. And I started a four-year process of praying hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours. I couldn't sleep at night, mostly. I got very little sleep during those years. And um, the more I can, then I started confessing every possible known sin that I had ever committed, every bad thought, every bad thought about maybe having a bad thought, which would be a bad thought. I would (laughs) confess it. And I just went on and on. I thought, I'm going to cover this. One day I'm going to hit this because something's broken and it can't be him. Until one day... Towards the end of this journey, I'm, it's a big farmhouse we live in, and so I'm in one side of it. You can't hear from the other side of the house. So Drain was out there, but she didn't hear this. I'm in a dark room. I would go to bed. I would you know, turn the lights off every day at 2 in the afternoon and not, not get up till the next morning. That went up for a year or two right there. And one day, this anger came over me, and it was real fury. It wasn't made up. I didn't say, I'm going to get mad at God. I became furious. And I stuck my finger in his face, and at the top of my lungs I said, You're not doing your job! And I was just as serious as a heart attack. And it wasn't pretty. And I said, You said you would prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And it wouldn't matter if you did because I can't eat. I'm nauseated 24-7. You're not doing your job. And my face was red and I was angry. 
And then this one little wise moment in my heart, I said, nevertheless, not your will, but mine. So, this is the honest truth. It's the honest truth. And I went to bed, and I woke up the next morning hungry for the first time in years. Now, you explain that. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing. You know, I asked the Lord, and I'm going I'm yeah. to jump on this, but yeah. you know me. i got to yeah. go over here first. <laughs> yeah. Now, I asked the Lord one time. I said, hey, y'all. I said, I hadn't turned all the way around yet. I said, Oh, the Lord asked me this question. I was, you know, just meditating to, on, with the Lord, you know. And, I, and he said, um, he said, you know, I'm not nearly as put out with things as you are. Now, he told me that. Now, out of the blue, now, how many of you ever had just have that thought? Well, I was just, that was just you. Really? Really? I'm just going to think of that? I didn't think of that. He said, I'm not nearly as put out with things as you are. Well, that caught me flat-footed. I said, well, all right. I mean, I don't know what to answer. And he said, what's the vilest thing you can think of? The vilest word you can think of? I said, Lord, you know what that is. And he knew it why he asked me. I said, I can't stand to hear your name taken in vain. I said, I just can't. I don't like that. He said, I said, that, he said, that bothers you. And he said, it bothers me. He said, but it bothers me for a different reason than it bothers you. He said, it bothers you because you think somebody cussed me like they would your mama. <laughs> they insulted you. He said, you think I'm being insulted like maybe your mama. He said, that's not why it bothers me. He said, it bothers me because it's a lie. He said, I don't damn anybody. Wow, wow, wow. So he told me that. So see, you, you and I don't think covenant-minded. We think western-minded. But God thinks covenant-minded. You know, the Bible says he's angry. But the, if you really look up the word anger, in the scripture, it's talking about God's driving passion to deliver somebody. That's why he says, be angry, but sin not. It's his driving passion. What God was waiting on in covenant relationship was that statement. He wasn't put out with you because your emotions went derailed. What he was waiting on is what he was waiting on me to say over Amber. Now, I expect your word to work. Well, that don't make God angry at me. He's trying to get us to think like he thinks. See, in covenant-minded, oh, no, I know you think, oh, Brother Robin, this is just... <laughs> at least somebody called me brother. <laughs> You know, <laughs> but in covenant relationship, if, if, if you and I, Steve, was going to be in covenant, say we were in the old days and we're going to make covenant, and let's just say 
that your family was the best crop growers. No, I'll, I'll, maybe I should, well, no, it's, yeah, it's my story. So, (laughs) but let's just say that your family can grow crops that's just beautiful. You can feed a whole city. Okay, I'm going to reverse it. The Lord won't let me. Okay, my family can grow crops. You'll know why in a minute. My family can grow crops, and we can feed a whole city. In our backyard, we have the green thumb. But your family, but we can't fight our way out of a paper bag. I mean, even the girls whip us. You know, we're just in, in just just saying that ain't true. My family, man, I went, I, I grew up with girls that whip men. You know, I mean, uh, whoa. And so anyway, but let's just say, see, we need help in that area. But your family, you are warriors. Man, you can fight. You're like David's mighty men. One guy with a spear takes on 800 at one time. But you can't, you're starving because you don't know how to feed your families. We need each other. So we'd come together in covenant, and we'd make this covenant, and now where I'm weak, you're, you're strong, and where you're weak, I'm strong. So there is no weakness now. And so we would come up together and make covenant. And I remember, I, you know, and some of you know the story, but if you just bear with me a minute, we're going to go somewhere with this thing. Some of you may, may not. But you know when... when uh, you know, Dr. Livingston and Stanley, yeah. you know, and he was, Stanley was hunting Livingston. He disappeared in the interior of Africa. Couldn't find him. Nobody could find him. So he goes over there and he's trying to find him, but he can't get into the interior. So his guide tells him, he says, now you need to cut a covenant with one of these chiefs over here. And he said, I'm going to show you which one to do that with. He said, he's the most powerful one there. And so they go up and make this covenant, and the way they did it, they would squeeze blood into a cup, cut each other, and then they would stir it up and drink half, and he'd drink half. And Stanley said, I ain't going to do that. So his, his guide said, you can have a substitute do this for you. And he said, I'll do it for you. So the chief and him made covenant. Well, he wanted Stanley's goat as a gift, and it's called the blessing of the covenant, the blessing of the law. There's a blessing and a cursing of this covenant law. And so he's, they're standing there, and he says, now give him a gift. First of all, the chief just started cursing him. Said wonderful things, then he just started cursing him. He said, Stanley said, What? He said, well, don't worry, I'm going to curse him too. And what they were doing was, is they were saying, if you ever break this covenant, these curses will come on you. And your family will hunt you down to the fourth generation and kill you. But if you keep it, this is the blessing. And then they would seal it with their gifts. And he said, he wants a gift. Give him a gift. Stanley said, what? He said, your goat. He wants that goat. He said, Stanley had ulcers so bad he couldn't, he could only have goat's milk. He said, I can't give him my goat. 
He said, you better give him that goat. If you don't, man, he's, he ain't gonna like it. So he gives him the goat. And then the king gives him a stick, a staff, with the copper wrapped around it. And he said, he got my goat, I got the stick. He thought he'd been beat until he tried to get in the interior, and suddenly here comes these warring tribes, and they're going to kill Stanley and wipe his whole team out until they sing that stick. And then they just bow to him. Because now it's not just Stanley. It's Stanley and that chief. So what God did was made covenant with us. But in the covenant relationship, covenant is like this. Whatever you have is mine if I need it. But now I'm bound to give you back the same thing when you need it. So this is covenant, and you can demand it, and I can demand it. That's the language of covenant, and it's the language of tribal people. And it's tribal, and God is tribal, and Western people are not tribal. They don't know anything about tribal. They, this is the way most, this is the way Western Christians for the most part deal with God. If it be your will, Lord, I'll tell you, Lord, if if it just be your will, but I don't want to say anything too far out because I don't want you to get mad at me and kill me. (laughs) And, And you're just begging God for something. And he's not waiting on that. The Bible says he's, he's easily touched with the feelings of your infirmity, but he can't move to help you out of emotion. And what he was not put out with you, but, and he, he's, your, he's in covenant with you. He's, he's made covenant in the blood of Jesus. And when you said you're not doing your job, this didn't move him. That was out of emotion. You said it was. But notice you said this. You said that you'd prepare me a table in the presence of my enemies. Whoa, hold it now. That's covenant words. So God immediately, you had his attention and you woke up hungry the next morning. Oh, come on now. Come on. Do you see the difference in how this works? He wasn't put out with my emotion over Amber. He was waiting to hear his word. He was waiting to hear the covenant that he could. Doreen said that. No, that ain't good enough. That ain't good enough. This is what your word. This is what I want. Well, that's what heaven was waiting on. Wow. And so that's why people can go and never have a prayer answered. And they say, I have prayed for years. Nothing, nothing. But they never once acted tribal. Not one time. Elijah was so to the point. He said, Ahab said, this is, Moses said, your master Moses said, but look at me. Elijah picked up Moses' prophecy, put it in his own mouth. When you talked about the covenants with the chief and you said one could demand it of the other Mm -hmm. if it was part of the covenant, are you saying there's a demand component? 
I mean, I, you know, yes. you and I talked about this yesterday, and I had another encounter, and I said, I'm not interested, God, if I have to get mad at you every time I want you to do something. Remember that? Yes. I'll just tell you that. You want to hear the part two to this? It, it involves Doreen again. Um, poor thing. She, uh, we both have been susceptible to migraines for some reason. Um, different. Her mother had it. I don't know where I got it. But anyway, she got it. I, after I was restored from this five surgeries, I started going out on the road. We went to eastern Canada. It's as far away as you can get and still being on the same continent. She got a migraine while I'm doing a conference. And we did what we always do. We called the intercessors. We texted them. We had the people pray. I was praying. People back at home were praying. All night, we prayed for that migraine to be broken. Her meds weren't working. We go on the airplane all the way back to the West Coast, Oregon, and she continued to hurt. She continued to have this really serious migraine that we would end up probably at the ER eventually because it would get so bad that she would be throwing up that with the level of pain. Okay, all we got all the way back the next day, then we went to bed again at night, we woke up again the first full day in Oregon, it's still there. She had to go pick up the dog at the daycare, and I had some appointment. So she was gone doing that, and she left still in severe pain. And I remember where I was standing. This had now been like a year or two after this, my encounter with God. I had not pulled that rabbit out for anything else, and I hoped I would never have to do that. <laughs> and I said, God, I don't understand why you're not healing Doreen. We've prayed. We've called the intercessors. We've anointed her, all of those things. Silence. And I said, I'm not interested in a relationship, Lord, where I have to get angry at you to heal my wife. <laughs> Silence. I said, I'm getting really angry right now. And I finally said, and I said it out loud, I was there alone in the master bedroom. I know where I was standing. And I didn't yell quite so loud, but I said, I would never treat my daughter the way you're treating your daughter right now. And she walked in a minute later and I said, hey, how are you doing? She says, it just popped out of my head as I walked in the door. Just popped out of my head. I don't know. You explain. See, well, you, exp you said it right there. See, but the, the problem is, is, is that you were, the anger was out of emotion. Yeah. And that don't move him. I mean, it don't move him to act. Yeah, it it touches him. It helped you get your words out, and it helped me get my words out. Yeah, but, but it wasn't the emotions that that, that moved him yeah. to to do something. Yeah, it's your faith that does yeah. that. See, I remember a story years and years ago, and in in the South here, and people are watching all over the world. But in the South here, you know, back in uh, during the Civil War times and all that. I mean, it's hard to even think about that people owned people. Mm. I mean, can yeah. you imagine how stupid can you be? I mean, yeah. what what an abomination that you just own people. I mean, well, no. So this this young girl was taken away from her mother, and they were going to auction this young girl off. Can you imagine that? Now, this is horrible, but let me tell you how it ended. They were going to auction her off, and there's nothing nobody could do about it. And the mother didn't know what else to pray. So she just stood over there, uneducated, 
but she knew God. She had a relationship with him. And she said, if I could help, if I was you and you were me, and I could help you as easy as you could help me, I'd do it. That's all she prayed. Now, what does that sound like? Covenant. She put a demand on something. Right at that moment, one of the guys' son had a thought. He was 16, I think. He said, anybody got $10? Give me $10. Daddy, you got $10? Why you want $10? I'm going to buy her. He gave him $10, and all the, the, the adults were so happy to watch this young boy buy a young girl. So he bought her. Nobody bid against him. They gave him the bill of sale, everything. He said, she's mine. They said, yep, she's yours. said, she, I own this. This is my property. Yes. He, walked, he took her by the hand, led her right over to her mother, handed her mother the bill of sale and said, here, now she's yours and nobody can ever take her from you again. Yes, Lord. If I was you and you were me, and I could help you as easy as you could me, I'd do it. Well, and in my, this last example, I, what you're saying is I couldn't accomplish the same thing by, by from well, the heart saying, you know, Lord, if I was you and you were me. But you did it. Yeah, you did say you did that. It, yeah, in, in my own words. Yeah, but, but that's well, what he was well, waiting on. One of your on. points is I didn't have to get so angry. I could have just communicated it. Yeah, but you had to get angry. Listen, let me tell you. Let me tell you why that happens. Okay. Why that happens is because you, your religion won't let you have the nerve to talk covenant. Religion won't let people have enough nerve to speak to God in the language he's trying to get you to talk to him in. He's not trying to get you to yell and scream at him. He's trying to get you to make a demand on what he promised you. Wow. Yeah. But wow. the only way we'll demand it is we have to get angry enough yeah. or distraught enough to, to do it. You had to get in my last nerve before I would just you know, get in his face. Yeah, and see, then notice it was silence, silence, silence. You never heard him say anything until you said, she's your daughter, and I wouldn't do my daughter. Well, that's covenant now, words. Wow. Boom. It was handled. See, where we are in time and prophetic move, uh, time right now, we're dealing with, with the destiny of nations right now. We're dealing with the destiny of the world. God, is, God means for us to be the one that turns the ship. Now, you have to remember that. He's not being, well, God's in control. Really? Really? Yeah, I mean, really? You think that, right? Yeah, God's in control. What do you mean by that? He's in control whether you like it or not. Well, yeah, that's what religion taught me. That's why it lied to you so much. Because God wasn't in control of you until you gave him control of you. Oh, he wasn't. You, got, you didn't get saved. He wanted you to be saved first day he ever talked to you. But you didn't do it. You had to run around like an idiot for a while. <laughs> but he wanted you to be saved. But you had to give him control. God's in control where God is put in control. And the way you put him in control is through his word and his covenant. Yeah. 
and you're tribal. And if you're not going to act tribal, you're not going to get anything. But see, it's the tribes of Israel. Watch this. That could stand like little flocks of goats in front of hundreds of thousands of the enemy and yet win the battle because of their covenant with the Almighty. I mean, they come out of Egypt, the Bible said, harnessed. That means they had all the Egyptians' armor and weapons. But they didn't know how to fight. They were slaves. When they got down to the Red Sea, they looked like, I mean, here comes Pharaoh's chariots, the most powerful army in the world. But they had a covenant with God, and he didn't. And they were calling on their covenant. And when they did, Habakkuk tells the story. It said he came from Teman, and he rode his fiery chariots and horses down into the sea. And it said when he did, the sea parted. He blew his nostrils. And the, and the book of Job says when, the, when God breathes, the frost comes. So when he blew his, his no, out of his nostrils, the water stood up on both sides, and the scripture said it congealed in its depths. It froze. It became like jello walls, like a congealed salad. <laughs> congealed water's frozen water. I didn't say it. the scripture said it. Yeah. Well, that's what a covenant will do. And did you know that the scripture said when they went down in that Red Sea, Steve, that not one stumbled. It wasn't like the movies where it just drops off. It was a certain place where it sloped down gently and went down under, I don't know what, 300 meters of water or something, however big it was. And right off each side, there was a drop that there's no way you could survive. It was an underwater road, and the water froze on both sides, and the Scripture said it was a wall to them on each side so they couldn't slip off. And it said the Lord showed up in a fiery whirlwind and peeked at the Egyptians through the fire. Oh, wow, I didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah, and he said he looked at them through the fire. Now, I want you to think about this. This was their covenant talking. And so he came for them when they began to call on their covenant. And so that's why all the little tribes of Israel could withstand the world. One of David's mighty men killed 800 at one time with a spear. At one time, you know how that must have looked. Every martial art movie you ever saw, his, <laughs> his, his mouth didn't match his words. <laughs> that's oh, right. yeah. Seeing that spear was going wild. And he says, I'm going to take you out. You know, you've seen them. You've seen them. I mean, they were fighting. That's good. Very good. Covenant is what invented the original superheroes. And every superhero you know was kind of based on real life ones in the covenant. David said, I could run through a troop. And jump over and leap over a wall. That's not figuratively. He really could do that. 
Imagine that you you got to think about he carried Goliath's sword. He carried a sword that was, if he's five foot seven, Goliath's sword is five, five. Wow. Wow. And when all the men came to him at the cave of Adullam, and he's down there, can you see him squatted down by the fire? And they said, is that David? Said all the men that was distressed in debt and depressed. How would you like to have that to be your army? Well, that's the church mostly. I shouldn't have said that, should I? Too late. It is if they don't know their covenant. Yeah. But don't you know they looked over and said, is that David? Is that David? You mean that's him? That redheaded guy? That's him? Look behind him, and there's this blade leaned up against the wall. And the thing weighs 75 pounds. And David stands up and says, I want to meet you men. Reach over and picks that blade up and just swings it around like it's nothing. <laughs> it's the anointing. It's his covenant. So religion is what's keeping us in fear that we won't speak the covenant. I wouldn't talk to God that way. That's because you're a Western-minded man. And God is a tribal Eastern. Can I ask you a question about everyone here has families that are prodigals, siblings, you know, parents, children. Um, but they have a choice to make. Yes. Everyone gets to make their own choice, has to make their own choice. What about we as the body praying for, contending for, uh, bringing up the covenant for family salvation? That's in the word about family salvation. Yes. What, what would you tell people, advise people that are praying for their family? We know they haven't made the decision to come back to the Lord. So how would you change your prayers to the Lord or your covenant prayers to the Lord. You know, you, you only have, here, here is the thing. If you stood on the word and you prayed the word of God when they were little, yeah, we say in Alabama, little, yeah, <laughs> when they were young and they were under your authority and you stood in faith and you said, this is what they will become. This I release my faith for when they were under subjection to your authority. You have every right to stand every day oh, wow. and say, Lord, remember you and I talked about this. Yeah. And I have, but if you didn't and they're grown, the hardest thing for a parent to do is to realize at that point all you can do is intercede for them. Put your faith out for them, but the decision is theirs because they're grown. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, I could, you know, what God one time corrected me. He said, I don't need you to keep directing traffic in heaven, but I would tell him, I want you to send this person, and I want you, to, you know, so, um, <laughs> yeah. so how would you yeah. intercede for people to come? I mean, would you? Well, would you... the way I would do it is this, and I have done it, is, See, the hardest thing people say, well, they're my child. Yeah, but your child's 48 years old. <laughs> and, and unless you were locked in when they were under your authority, see, that seed was sown then for them. 
And you'll notice when that happens, it's a different world. Authority has to be used. People don't believe they have that kind of authority. Religion tells them they don't. See, before I finish that, see, every denomination that we know is not a denomination. Denomination actually means division, a division of something, but it means division. But a denomination is a revelation. It started with a revelation. The Catholic Church began everything you know about the crucifixion, you learned from them. <laughs> yeah, you did. You didn't learn it from the Baptist Church. You think you did. <laughs> but you learned it from the Catholic Church because the one revelation they had was the passion of the Christ. Yeah. And that's why they got off, and then religion got off into suffering because that's all they studied. Then out of it came Martin Luther. He heard the just will live by faith, not by punishing yourself and doing penance. Do repentance. So the just will live by faith. Well, that's a revelation. But the revelation that started over here with the passion of the Christ got religionized and denominized and then became fossilized thoughts carved in rock that nobody could change, but the original revelation still lives. The Lutherans did the same thing. The just will live by faith. That still lives, but the fossilized, denominized, religionized tried to say it can never be anything else but this. And they persecuted them. Then the Wesley boys came out of the Lutherans and said, sanctification and holiness, that's a revelation that still lives. But then they religionized, denominized, and fossilized. And it goes with everybody. In any denomination, it makes no difference what it is. So if you take every revelation, and and us Pentecostals had the stinkingest ones because we had the power and understood the power, and yet it boiled it down to a look. What is that? Trying to religionize, denominize, fossilize. But it don't change the fact the nine gifts of the Spirit are still living. Just to live by faith is still alive. The passion of the Christ is still alive. All of this stuff is still alive. Everything's still alive. And and then the revelation, the word of faith, put it in your heart, speak it out of your mouth, put it in your heart, speak it out of your mouth. The revelation Brother Hagen got, Brother Copeland got, people like that still lives. But people, how did they, how did people try to denominize and do all that to that? Because every single word came out of your mouth, they began to legalize it. But Brother Hagin didn't. Neither did Brother Copeland. This is people wanting to trap it. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, come on, y'all. <laughs> you know it's the truth. It's all the truth. But the revelations that built it all is still living. Mm. 
And God calls that a full gospel church. Good. That's good. Hallelujah. Good. So what was the question? Standing for your family. Yes. So how would you intercede and pray? Okay, if they're grown and you never, you, you never stood for them when they were under your authority. Maybe you was a heathen, didn't even know to do. Yeah. But now they're grown. The, what you do is you go to the word and you say, Lord, you're the Lord of the harvest. So I'm asking you to send laborers across their path. Lord, you know exactly who they will listen to. Now, this is covenant you're talking. Yeah, yeah you're talking. And so, Lord, I'm, I'm asking you and expecting someone to come across their path that they will listen to yeah. Good. and talk to them about Jesus and being born again. And they will listen to them. And I'm asking you, and you can go over to Ephesians 1, 16 through 23, and pray that the, their eyes being enlightened, that they would know the hope of their calling, put their name in it. That's covenant words. Yeah. Then go over to Ephesians 3, uh, verse 14 through 21. Do the same thing. And pray the Ephesians prayers. Pray the covenant prayers. Pray that the Lord sends the laborers. You'll be amazed how fast that'll turn. If you won't turn it loose, you won't turn Because you might not can make their will do it. Yeah, and when I got in trouble with the Lord, because he wasn't angry at me, he just said, stop directing traffic in heaven. Because I would tell him who he should send and how he should how do he it. should do it. He didn't need that sort of help. No. He doesn't want that sort of help. <laughs> no. no, that's good. He don't. <laughs> it's it's unnecessary, wasted words. Quit direct, directing traffic. That's cool. <laughs> I never thought of that. It's a true story. It really he really yeah. said that. Well, but these are real things we're talking about. That's what you talk about it in an intelligence yeah. briefing, and it's because of one thing. You want to be able to manifest his church, to manifest power. See, this is where you want, he needs us to be, to be able to manifest the power. Instead of just sitting around saying, well, I guess they're all going to take us to hell. I mean, everything in the world is about to fall apart. I mean, look over here. Look at that Biden. He's a crazy thing. <laughs> and I mean, look over here, man. They're trying to bomb Israel, and they're going to blow it off the mountain. They're going to do this, and they're going to do it. I mean, this is no, I haven't heard the covenant mentioned once. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I haven't heard anything said that would move God to act. You're, you're, all you've done is tell him everything he already knows. Now he says, how you, what do you want to do with this thing? How you want to change it? You want to change it? And then he says, okay, come up here and talk with me on my level now. Let's me and you talk about this thing. You know, he told Job, he said, I'll demand of you and you answer me. He said, gird up your loins like a man, and I will demand of you. Job 38 said, you answer me. In other words, I'm going to demand of you from the covenant, and you answer me from the covenant. That's good. That's yeah, good. and so that's where he sees us to be, and that's what we've got to do, and he's expecting us to turn this thing. 
we are dealing with with a cult on the highest levels we've ever seen, Steve. And the only thing that's going to turn it now, something makes them think they can use that kind of power. How would you possibly get to where you think, yeah, Lord, I'll do that. Okay, I want to say this, and I think this will really, really help us, all of us. You remember now Elijah picked up Moses, I mean Joshua's prophecy. I mean, have you, you understood that? I mean, you, you see, that ought to tell you volumes of what you can do. <laughs> what you can do. You know, Jesus said the works I did, you'll do and greater works than I do, you'll do. Well, you should be saying, Lord, you said the works you do, I'll do. And in yeah. the covenant, I want yeah. to do the works you did, so I expect to do them. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, now, you can't go contaminate yourself with a bunch of sewer rats and expect, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, you, and expect to walk in that. But if, you, if you're trying your, to live holy, you have every right to pray that. He's been waiting on that. You know, it's like it's about time. I'm glad somebody said it. Smith Wigglesworth said this. He said, his son-in-law, his name was Jim Salter. Wasn't that his son-in-law's name? I think it was. He had one daughter, didn't he, Smith? Nobody's helping me, so I'm going to go with that. He had and his son-in-law. I'm sure that's right. Well, he said, this is what he said. He said. That must be right. You're Robin Bullock. Yeah, right. Well, that don't mean nothing. What are you talking about? Lord, have mercy. Don't put that on me, Steve. We're in covenant now. Anyway. anyway. His son-in-law said, that old man would scare you. Because he'd be sitting on the platform. And Smith stood up, and he said, bring the sickest person in the room down here now. Well, they brought this little bag of bones woman down there. She was dying, couldn't walk. They just held her up in front of him. He said, in the name of Jesus, turn her loose. They let her go, man. She just bounced off the floor. Wow. Wow. He said, pick her up. In the name of Jesus. Now turn her loose. Boom, she hit the floor. About three times she bounced off that floor, and a guy in the back jumped up and said, you brute, you brute. Smith said, shut up and sit down. I know my business, tend to yours. Whoa. said, pick her up in the name of Jesus. When they turned her loose this time, she shook and staggered, but she stood. By the end of the service, she was healed. Well, he drop-kicked a baby across the stage one time, a toddler. And the, and the child hit the floor running, healed. Well, and they asked him. You know, he raised something like what? almost I, some, some say 21 people uh, from the dead, something like that. I mean, drug one out of a casket. Really? Threw it up in the corner. <laughs> was there with the family. 
And with the pastor that was with the family, he didn't know much, knew the pastor. He ran everybody out of the room, closed the door, and they was watching him through the window. And he drugged the corpse out, threw it up. Walk in Jesus' name. Picked it up. Walk in Jesus' name. I don't know what the pastor was doing outside. He was probably looking at everybody saying, I don't know him. <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's, he's been a children's pastor too long. <laughs> we don't know what's going on with him. But he picked him up, threw that corpse in the corner, said, I said, walk in Jesus' name. And he walked him to the door. They asked Smith, they said, now watch this. He said, why are you so bold? He said, God has nine powerful gifts, and he will not leave me holding the bag. That's what he answered. That's why he would never quit. He said, he won't leave me holding the bag. That's a man who knows his covenant. See, what people don't realize is this, Steve, and we're going to have to get it. We're going to have to get it and quit saying false prophet, false prophet, false prophet, false prophet. <laughs> Sound like a blame rooster with, with a, somebody making his mouth talk. False prophet, whoa, whoa. Until it just gets old. It does get old, yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. Shouldn't have done it. <laughs> Too late. It. <laughs> Instead of, we, we've got to put our effort in the faith in the word this direction. You've got powerful men with most of the money in the world that is bent on bringing the Antichrist into this earth before the next year is over if they can. They know what they're doing. They're dealing in the occult and they know it. And the church is just, and no, not showing any resistance. I see you used to seeing me on that computer and you see me get animated and you think, well, I'm not there. <laughs> but now yeah, you're here. I was sort of thinking that, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, Maybe by tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I will be. <laughs> but I want, I, want to, I want to show this and then I, I don't know that I, I'll, what else we'll say, but we'll say this. I'll ask you one question about politics after you're done. Oh, yeah, well, that's, yeah, whatever. yeah, whatever you want to do, Steve. You want to say something? <laughs> I don't want to direct traffic tonight. <laughs> I'll just sit here with my seatbelt on and, <laughs> and see stay what out else happens. Of my arms, yeah. Son. <laughs> anyway, they, um, when, when Jesus was handed over to Pilate, Pontius by name, yeah. when he was handed over to him, the prefect of Rome, now he's handed over to him. 
It was the religious leaders of his day that turned him over to him. Now, the government didn't want anything to do with with Jesus. You go back and read the stories. You can can find them in in the Gospels where he says, Pilate said, I don't want anything to do with him. You take him and judge him according to your law. Watch what religion said. We can't put him to death, but you can. He said, look, I find no fault in him. You take him and judge him. No, you judge him. So why, what evil has he done? Well, he said he's the son of God. Pilate said, hmm, call Jesus back in private. Scared Pilate. Because government believes, whether the church does or not, governments believe in prophets. Whether the church does or not, don't make any difference. They do. Some hate them, some love them. But they all listen. And he says this. He said, who are you? He said, don't you? He said, you're not going to answer me. Don't you know I have the power to crucify you? And I have the power to turn you loose. Watch this. Jesus said, you don't have any power over me at all unless it was given you from above. Now, the whole church thinks he's talking about God. And in in the whole big picture, of course, God did send his son. But what he's really referring to more than anything else is this. It became very glaring who had the real authority in the earth. It was religion. Religion told Pilate, yes, you will judge him. Religion told Pilate, yes, you will do this. Religion told Pilate, you will crucify him. Religion demanded he did it, and Pilate bowed to them. Religion went back after Jesus was dead and said, after he had died, and he said, Put him in the tomb and seal it with the seal of Rome. Pilate just did it. Give us some soldiers to guard the tomb. Pilate just did it. Who has the authority here? The government or the church? Even when they were slaves, they were telling Rome what to do. You're not listening to me. Pilate, let me finish Jesus' statement now that he said, and you get it right away. He said, don't you know I have power to crucify you, power to turn you loose? He said, you don't have any power over me at all unless it was given to you from above. Therefore, he that delivered me to you has the greater sin. Oh, wow. He did say that. He? he did, and that was the next statement. Wow. He was saying, 
You don't have any power over me at all. It's religion that's telling you what to do. So they have the greater sin than you do. Government is only established to protect the God-given rights of the church. It was raised up to protect the rights God gave you. Government didn't give you your rights. God gave you your rights. Government is raised up according to Scripture to protect those rights. And unless a politician moves into that part of their call, they will never enter their destiny. Because the only thing you're called to do is protect the rights God gave people. But religion is the one that's ordering it around. Make no mistake about it. It's religion doing it. Politicians and governments, wicked governments, tyrants and so forth would never do what they do if they didn't think the church gave them permission. Now, Steve, they wouldn't. They take the temperature of the church first. And if the evangelicals, you know, and all these people and denominations will back them, this is what they do. They oppress God's people and do this at the organized religion to see if they approve. And it's that way all the way back. When the Antichrist does come on the earth and have the power he has for that brief time, tell me something. What does he do? He demands worship. Not political. Worship. And he uses his political power to make someone worship him because he knows the real power lies in religion. That's the real authority. And so God is trying to wake up his church to the covenant to be able to do things like Elijah did, to pick up prophecies out of the scripture and begin to declare them, to stand up in intercession, to start quoting the word, speaking the word, preaching the word, telling the word, living holy. Don't try to quote the word on Sunday morning and watch pornography Sunday night. Just start moving into the real realm of holiness where there's real power and holiness is not a look. It's a place of the heart in God, sanctified, set aside for his use. Yeah, you know, brother, you got that long hair. Well, Steve don't have any on his head. What do you don't like about Steve? And that show ain't a throw at my friend. I'm just talking about here we are on two ends of the boat. You get this? We're both wearing leather. But people start, and if it ain't the, if it ain't our hair, Steve, it's something else. That's religion. They can't find anything wrong with what you're saying. Jesus said, "Listen, what Jesus said. You didn't like John the Baptist." 
because you said he didn't eat or drink. And you said, look at him. Well, what are they like him? Well, he's wearing a leather girdle. He's living out in the desert. I think about it. Eating locusts and wild honey. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And religious people came up to him and said, what are you doing? He said, you generation of vipers. Your mamas were snakes. <laughs> well, that didn't go well. But you know what they looked at him and said? Watch this. You can hear his motive. He said, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Everybody's afraid of you. They won't tell you anything because they're scared of you. You wield so much power. He said, but I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Who was he? A prophet. Jesus said, he didn't come eating or drinking. You said, look at him. He said, I came eating and drinking. He said, you said he had a devil. He said, I came eating and drinking. You said, look at him. He's a glutton and a wine bibber. It's religion. Religion has the power. So if it's God's people that have the power, we better start doing something with it. Hallelujah. Should I ask you, let's ask you one political question before we wrap up. Okay, there's a new speaker of the house, but the Lord had shown you some things before and yeah. now. So talk about that for a few minutes. What's God showing you on that? Remember, and you and I have talked about it. Right. But he, you know, the Lord had told me, he said, Kevin McCarthy said he is a temporary placeholder. You remember yeah, that? Yeah, you did. That was weeks. I mean, way before that ever happened. Nobody expected him to be pulled down from his. Right. Said he's a temporary placeholder. He said he, he's temporary, and he's a temporary placeholder for something else. Something, something, something else. else. And that stuck with me. I, I thought, something else? What is it? There is something with this new, and this new guy coming in, man, I know people that know him. Yeah, yeah. And I'm telling you, man, he's, he, he whittles somebody down while he smiles because he's a strong believer. Yeah, yeah. And they don't like that about him. And, and, but he is, he's a, he's a strong believer. I mean, Every, I know people that know him very well. And um, something else shaped up when that happened. You're, by that, you're saying something else is in the works that we don't see yeah. right now mm-hmm. that's taking place because mm-hmm. of this. Yes. He, he, he wasn't doing, doing someone else. He was doing something. Something made, else. Yeah. And the yeah. someone is a means to something. God is doing right now. And this thing is, it's starting to move now. And there's a lot of things that happened. You know, the Lord, the Lord showed me, he showed me the war in Israel way back. Remember you and I talked about it and the different prophetic words he had given me about 
you know, I woke up one morning right at daylight and I could hear tanks rolling. And, you know, I could hear them rolling and they were, and I, then I, I knew that sound because when I was a boy, you know, I worked in strip mines and we ran bulldozers and things. And I know that those tracks mm-hmm. and I thought, man, that's, and then I saw it in a vision. I was just right up in the middle of it. These tanks were rolling up around fuel depots and different things. And I knew there was going to be a war. And the Lord kept telling me that. And, and you've seen the prophecies that, that was posted for way out. When you and I were in Israel, mm-hmm. I kept wondering, did you not wonder why are you saying these yeah, things? Yeah, I mean, everything was peaceful. There was no rumors that we're about to have a skirmish or anything. Nothing. You were getting out uh, different stuff. One of them, I said, I didn't get out because the wind was blowing so hard. I it was sure. cold. It was cold and, and very, very strong. But you took your staff out there and you, you and you prophesied peace. I didn't hear it because I was in the bus, but you yeah. came back in and you said, the Lord told me to prophesy peace. Am, am I remembering that about? Mm, that's right. And I kept thinking, okay, so the golden well, hearts there. you are Prophet Robin. So I trusted yeah. that, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like anyone was there saying, boy, I'm sure glad you prophesied peace. There yeah, was wars looming. Yeah. No, there was no, none of that in the air. There wasn't any. No. And everywhere mm-hmm. we went, and I, I began to wonder mm-hmm. myself, Lord, why am I saying these things? Yeah. And I remember <clears throat> Danny, the guide, he'd just hold the mic over there, remember? And he <laughs> yeah. just, and, and, but there was no war. But now we see why. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Head to ElijahStreams.com slash give. Now, back to the show. Because the scripture says when God begins a thing, he also ends it. In other words, he 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 brought us there. Remember on Masada, was you was was we together on Masada? I didn't go there. Uh, remember on Masada, whoever was up there with us that day, I said, um, well, anyway, I, when when we when you come up to prophesy, at that moment, God will give a prophetic word. Yeah. He'll tell you what's coming, but he'll give a prophetic word that makes a path through to the other side. So when he begins a thing, he ends a thing. And I don't know how much to tell of this. Well, I'm, I'm just, it. no, I don't know. I go, go for it. Go for it. I don't know about that, but <laughs> Robert D. Bullock. Yeah, yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> you're not just Robin Bullock. You're Robert D. Bullock. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <clears throat> Steve Schultz. <laughs> Elijah List. Elijah Stream. But we. Go ahead, man. No, 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 go for it. <laughs> I think some things happened, and I, the Lord won't won't release me to talk about it right now, but I think some things happened they didn't think was going to happen. Things you see happening right now was not supposed to start. I'm just going to leave it. That's just that. the Israel thing you're talking yeah. about? Okay, okay. It just wasn't supposed to begin. Not, not, Not now, not like this. And it, it scared governments. Yeah. I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah. It scared them. And now they're doing everything they can to do something. we got to fix something. Getting close to out of control. Yeah, they, they didn't expect it. 
I can't tell what they did expect, but yeah. later me and you will probably talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, but wow. Well, any, um, anything else you want to share uh, before we close? I want to make sure if there's anything on your mind or heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we could finish this, I yeah. guess. You know yeah. what we started earlier. Yeah. And um, this is what the Lord told me, you know, when I, has everybody got anything out of tonight? I mean, have you? Yeah. Says, um, I mean, all this is from prophetic uh, perspective. Yeah. You know, we're talking from, from prophetic perspective, everything that's happening. The Lord told me this. He said um, um, about destiny. He said, it's, it is time. I'm going to bring the body of Christ and Israel together. He said, for revival. He said, to defeat the seed of the serpent. Pray that the corruptness in Noah Harari and Klaus Schwab will come out of their mouths and men will see them for what they are. The freedoms you know of are not given to you by government. They're given to you by God. And he said, governments only exist to protect the freedoms God gave you. No other reason. And until a politician understands this, they can never operate in the will of God. So we, he, he gave us instructions on what to pray and how to pray. You know, I was up in um, Tomball, Texas. Yeah. Is that where we were? Tomball. And um, this is what the Lord told me. And I read this there. But I think I should read it yeah. here. It said men will find the courage. Will men find the courage to fight again? He said when the very will to fight has been systematically beat out of them. Mm. The vision of the vision of men has been diminished to the point they can only see to the end of the week. God said people perish without a vision. Therefore, vision is systematically being taken away from the people. It is replaced with a false hope that if I don't resist, somehow or some way, things will turn around. We live in the times of slavery. Men's lives are being bought and sold every day. Every generation brings us closer to the cage of slavery being in our minds. Once it is there, there is no escape because you carry your own cage with you everywhere you go. So we have to learn in these meetings now to awaken destiny in people. This is what has to happen. We have to awaken destiny in people. And they have to live according to their destiny, pray according to your destiny, War according to your destiny. Sing according to your destiny. Songs we were singing tonight is just we're coming out and we're just flowing and flowing and flowing. Singing according to the future. But what has God promised you? 
He didn't promise us that we would come to this time. When the Bible talks about the church that resists, that we're going to leave a victorious church. Well, what is a victorious church? If you read that in in, uh, 2 Thessalonians, you start to see that the victorious church is the church that resists the regime of the Antichrist from coming into the earth on their watch. Paul in the church of his day was victorious. The church before after them was victorious when Hitler was on the earth. These were all attempts to bring him in. And we're closer now than the world has ever seen to bringing the seed of the serpent in. We must be the victorious church on our watch. Hallelujah. Go ahead and pray for the people then. Okay. And then um, I'll just let you guys take it after we have prayer. Isn't this great with Robin? Was this not amazing? Thank you, man. Oh, man, you, Thank you, man. You're just so precious. It's yeah. great. Well, God bless you. Steve is, Steve's awesome, isn't he? Not yeah. awesome. I tell him that off camera, you know. Thank you. Thank I do. I do. I, I, the Lord really gave me a brother when, I, yeah. when we met, yeah. you know. Yeah. That's the truth. That's the truth. Amen. Well, Father, right now, I pray over the people. And I pray, Lord God, that the things said tonight, each thing will be embedded in their thinking. And Lord, each thing you will you will cause it to grow and you talk to them, Lord. Yeah. Every day, Lord, talk to them about these things they've heard. Highlight what you want them to know in all of this this that's been said. Lord, I ask you to encourage them in every way that the people of God will lift their face off of the ground and hold their head up again, knowing they are the family of the living God. And I give you praise and honor. Lord, let the blood of Jesus become the thing that absolutely saturates every part of their life and mind. And Lord God, that the resurrection power of Jesus, Lord God, become alive and and mark their thinkings that when they speak, they expect resurrection power to happen. And I give you praise and honor and glory for it. And I give you praise, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, you know what you're supposed to say now? Well, tomorrow we've got on the the Elijah's (laughs) break. See it at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, Monday morning. Bye-bye. Wow, was that powerful? I was just blown away. Something I wanted to, to point out. Uh, you guys can be seated for just one more second. I wanted to well, point out. We've got a out, couple key things to tell yeah, you. Uh, one, one thing from tonight that just blew my mind. Um, when we were listening to the intelligence briefing from a year ago, just encouraging ourselves, getting ready for tonight, Robin said, if prophets stop speaking, everything will be lost. And it just really jumped out at me. And then tonight when he started talking about Elijah and the significance of Elijah and what the prophet's job is to stand in front of these kings and government and be willing to put their finger 
to them. And one thing that really jumped out at me is this week, a prophetic word came back out from um, Kim Clement. And uh, this was actually from 2015, his final word over America. And this is what it says. It says, it is not time for the destruction of this nation. There will come a time where the wrath of God shall be poured out upon the nations of the earth. But today, I will bring the recovery and restoration. And once again, America will sing my songs and pray my prayers and declare under God we stand, says the Lord. Do not be afraid of the nations, for in 2016, everything will change, says the Lord. There will be a sound of liberty from the White House. There will be a sound of prayers from the White House. Pennsylvania Avenue shall be surrounded by people that will pray and ask me to intervene, and I shall, says the Lord. It is the sound of the enemies of America living in America. Those are your greatest enemies who call themselves citizens, but they are enemies of the cross and enemies of the nation, and they shall be dealt with. You want judgment, says the Lord, watch the atheist. You want judgment, then watch those who have risen up against me and said, perhaps we shall embrace the Allah. Perhaps we shall embrace that religion. Maybe we shall embrace Sharia law. Ha, I laugh at you because the spirit of Elijah is in this nation and Jezebel shall not stand, says the Lord. Yes. Yes. Amen. You know, when you when you hear those words, don't doesn't your then your heart like burn? You know, you sound like the people that, that talked after they knew they didn't know they were walking with Jesus. And they're like, when he was with us, didn't didn't our hearts burn when he was talking? That's how I, I'm sitting here listening to Robin tonight. When he speaks, like my mind's getting apart, my spirit, I feel like it's just it's like coming out of me. Man, you hear a word like that from Kim, it's like, man, we're not forgotten. God's speaking. Are we hearing? I mentioned my dog earlier. My dog will come in my smallest whisper. It doesn't, I don't have to scream. It's just, Reagan, boom. He's just like, he hears me. Why? Because he's listening for me. Whew. You should see him open a bag of popcorn. He's really there. Why? <laughs> because he's listening. I don't have sneak it. He hears me because he's listening for me. Man, I tell you, are you guys listening? Yes. It's hard to even talk when you hear these words. Taylor Swift came to a Chiefs game the other day. Everybody lost their mind. I mean, we're in the presence of God. You know, this is a holy moment. It really is. Just want to move slow for a minute. Tomorrow is going to be a great day. It's Pastor Appreciation Day. I think if for over two years we've considered the Robins our pastors. We, 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 we tithe to this because I want to be careful with our seed. I, I, I tithe energy. I tithe money. I tithe ideas. Every, you know, these, they're all things. Whenever people come to me and they're like, man, I just don't have any time. I'm like, who are you giving time to? You need to start sowing some time. I'm free out. Man, I don't have any friends. Well, man, become more friendly. 
every, every, we all have an opportunity to be giving all the time. Money's just one currency. It's the lowest value of the currencies that we can give. You know, what else is a currency? A hug? A high five? I have a, I have a, I have a 27-year-old a smile. Isn't that valuable? You smile at somebody that looks grumpy. We'll even joke sometimes in checkout line. I'm like, I'm going to get her to smile. Watch this. Because it, it's just hard not to, when somebody's smiling, it's just hard not to smile back. I have a 27-year-old daughter who's, who's in this, you know, this process of dating. You know, she wants, and she says like, she wants to find somebody like me. She respects me. I'm like, man, what? that's a currency. What's it worth? What if I lost that from her? What would I pay to get it back? I would give everything to get it back. So it means her respect's a currency. All of these things are a currency. You know, Bitcoin's a thing. Dollars are a thing. Silver's a thing. Little tokens you get when you play skeet ball or things, you know. They're, they're all just currencies, but we have to be aware of what we're sowing into all the time. So we're going to give you an opportunity. Something I get excited about when you find soil this good is how can you sow into it. So if you're watching online tonight and this was this blessed you and you want to participate in what's happening here, you want to be like, hey, for sure, I want what I have to be a part of that. So God's protection over this carries to you. Uh, you can go to robindbullock.com and they make it very easy to be able to contribute and partner with this, um, I don't know about for the people here in in the building. They can do it that way, but we have we have ushers that are going to come. And so, if you're here tonight and you want to want to want to give back to something that's fed you, you know, it's funny that's become a thing with 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 tipping. You know, now we used to be like certain things, restaurants and stuff. And now somebody like you know, a cup of coffee. All right, hang on a sec. You know, here and it's like you know you know you give a tip on it. You know, and I'm like, man, he's pouring me a cup of coffee. You know, like everything has gotten. So I mean. There's this idea, though, if somebody does something for you, there's a reciprocation maybe beyond just what went into the cost of the of the product. We understand that in most every other area. It's exciting, though, when you get a partner with somebody who's changed your life, somebody who's changed the trajectory of what's possible in your heart, open up your mind to even what God's doing. Even just the revelation tonight talking about Jesus. Is, you guys have all heard that story your whole life, right? How many of your brains just went like, I, I thought a little blood was going to trickle out my ear. Or something when he shared that I'm like I've heard that in my whole life seen all the movies I'm like I did that's a revelation so I'm, I'm so thankful to be able to partner into this ministry so we're gonna have the ushers come here tonight and be able to, and Christy, to will contribute. you come up and lead um, in the scriptures we got a verse for to giving read. and for uh, tithing in, in her uh, new branded shirt too my new branded shirt as long as y'all help me close tonight. Oh, come on. Awesome. Well, we want to pray over your giving tonight, yes. whatever the Lord has led you to sow tonight, whether in this room or watching at home by live stream all around the world. Those of you giving in person, those of you giving online, it doesn't matter. I want you to hold up something tonight that represents your finances, uh, whether it's whether it's your phone, whether it's your wallet, whether, you know, whatever it is, an envelope. If you don't have anything... Raise, just raise your hands, not raise your hand that you don't have anything. I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying, hold your hands up before the Lord tonight, yes. hold them up as a seed, as a seed of worship tonight, hold them up before him that you're believing God to fill your hands because it's your heart that matters, not the amount that you're giving. The heart is the precious seed. 
And so I want you to hold whatever it is up tonight before the Lord. And I want to speak the words of the master over mm -hmm. you. This is not just a confession. This is not just pretty words to say. But these are the words in red over your giving. Come on. And that's in Luke 6, 38. And it says, give, and it shall, shall be, be given, given unto you. Good measure, measure pressed down, down, shaken together, together and, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. bosom. For with the same same measure, measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. You say, I believe it, I receive it, and I call it done in Jesus' name. Amen. So be it. Praise God. Okay, so where can people get all of the gear? Can they get it online? If somebody's like we're, watching we're, tonight, we're working on that to get it online. So you just have to come visit us if you want it. <laughs> okay. So tell me again. So you have these t-shirts that are absolutely cool. The, the black, but you also have, which Austin had on earlier. He had on like the off white. Oh, here it is. Sweet. Yeah. He had that one on and then the hat, right? I have the hat also. Yes. Yes, I was in it last night. I've been in it like almost every day this week. So I, I, I love the hat. It's awesome. And we have the matching coffee cup, which is essential in my life. Oh, look at right life. there. So that may tie with my favorite flyover conservatives. <laughs> that is awesome. You can get it in the coffee shop. We're going to have the bookstore slash coffee shop open uh, as soon as we close. So if you want to go in, check it out for a little while until everybody leaves, we will have it open. So Perfect. And we're excited to see you all back here tomorrow, 1045 a.m. for Pastor Appreciation. And as you all are leaving, we're just going to bless you real fast. We bless yes. you to realize you were born for such a time as this. We bless you to realize your future is brighter than your past. Yes. And we bless you to wake up, speak up, and show up. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Y'all got to join in with me. You ready? We love you. Jesus, Jesus loves, loves you. you. And God, God is absolutely, absolutely good. good. Shalom. Shalom. <laughs> good night, everybody. This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at ElijahStreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on Rumble and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahStreams.com slash give to become a partner today.